ein Prosit, ein Prosit der Gemütlichkeit. Ein Prosit, ein Prosit der Gemütlichkeit. All right, welcome to the State of Games. I'm Dice Hate Me. I'm Get Louder. I'm Puppy Shogun. And this is episode 53, or as we like to call it, the one about the Germans. The and Germans? The Germans. And it's not specifically about Germans per se, but more about what the Germans like to do. In other words, buy and play games in October at Essen. You might have heard of it. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So in this episode, we'll be doing a little Essen preview, sharing the games that really have excited us, even though none of us are going to Essen. Even though I had a plan to go to Essen, but it's not going to happen this year. I'm just going to deal with it. And it'll be two or three months before any of us actually buy most of these games. Although, I might be going to EuroQuest, so I might get a chance to play some of them. Oh, yeah. Well, you'll have to share that with the uh, listeners uh, on the next State of Games. Well, the State of Games after EuroQuest, which would be awesome. So EuroQuest is November the 16th, for people who don't know. Unless I'm pulling that date completely out of my butt. Might Um, be. I think it's November 16th, because the following weekend is BGG Con. Yes. Which we will be at. Well, Daryl and I will be at. TC, you're not going to be there, right? Uh, probably not. Okay. Well, if you if you happen to pull off a Hail Mary and you're there, anyway, we'll uh, we'll, we'll cover everything we had at BGG Con. We have an unpub protozone, but we'll get to that later. We'll get to that when we talk about the unpub news later in the podcast. But first, let's talk a little bit about Kickstarter. So... First on the agenda for Kickstarter is Compounded is Shipping. Yay! Yay! Kermit Arms. <laughs> TC's like, whatever. <laughs> well, I got some news for your game next, TC. But anyway. Whatever. Com- what game? I don't understand. There's only <laughs> one game that was on Kickstarter PC. last year. Yeah, well, whatever. All right, but anyway, Compounded is finally here. Uh, most of you out there who are listening to the podcast have always already gotten their uh, uh, shipping notices and tracking information. Mm-hmm. So we are very hopeful that that will get out to everyone within the next week, and you all will have to be, play the game and love it, of course, and tell us that you love it. And spread the word high and wide because we still have plenty of copies that we need to sell, and we'll get out there on the marketplace before Black Friday. Yes, agreed. Absolutely. So, Game Salute's working hard on that. Got some pictures. I'll make a, an actual update after this podcast tonight. So, the update will probably count before the podcast launches. But anyway, if you have not uh, purchased your copy of Compounded or you're not waiting for a Kickstarter copy of Compounded, you can go to GameSalute.com and click on Shop button and go and pre-order Compounded. The pre-orders will go out about two weeks from now. Uh, they wanted to wrap up everything for the Kickstarter, so about the 1st of November, the, the pre-orders will go out. And then, as far as I am, I know, I believe the street release date for Compounded will be November the 15th. So, anyway. So now, uh, in addition to Compounded, which is awesome, uh, we've got dice samples for Viva Java Dice. Speaking, speaking of TC. Yay! Yay! Uh, posted a, <laughs> a, a, um, a Kickstarter update about that. Um, we'll actually also, we just wrapped up a new print and play file that for everyone who actually backed uh, Viva Java Dice will be able to get this file out, uh, do an update in the next few days, uh, providing that for everyone so they'll be able to play it between uh, now and when we actually get Viva Java Dice into uh, the warehouse and out to people. Yes, sir. Will that include little uh, paper origami dice that we can put together? Uh, No. 
you are just a bunch of slackers. Yeah, I'm sorry. People will actually have to supply their own dice. Oh, so. man. I know. How will they do the faces? <laughs> well, I include a special dice rubric. Oh. Yeah, that shows you what face equals what uh, die face. It's pretty easy. I just count the pips. It's really tough. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. It's those wild faces that kind of throw you off. But anyway... <laughs> All right, so uh, in, in other words, Dice Hate Me Games news, Bell is almost ready for production. Uh, Daniel Solis and I have uh, gotten the last of the tweaks that we were working on for the Counterprod expansion, uh, inspansion rather, and uh, we just have a couple of rules uh, things we're working out, getting the rules finalized and copy edited, and that will be going out for production along with the second printing of Har- Carnival and Heartland. And in other Dice Hate Me Games news, everyone get ready for next Friday, October the 25th, because we're about... Hi. We're about to celebrate Oktoberfest. All right. Yeah. Get my liter. <laughs> That's right. So Brewcrafters from Dice Amy Games is hitting Kickstarter in a week and a half. And while a ton of folks will be at Essen, we're going to have our own Euro party on Kickstarter complete with beer. So if you want to know more about the details behind Brewcrafters, you can check out the last State of Games podcast, which is episode 52, as we talk to Brewcrafter designer Ben Rossett extensively about it. So stay tuned again next Friday. Pledge for Brewcrafters. You're going to love it. It's going to be awesome. I got the quote back today, and I can actually hopefully afford to produce the game as long as Kickstarter backers come out and pledge their support. So we'd love to see you there. I'm I'm actually really excited to see what Brewcrafters is going to look like because oh, so am I. Well, like every (laughs) every other game that you've had coming down the pipeline, you know that we've played prototypes of. The prototypes have looked have looked good, not like you know print ready. But, you know, they still look good. Like, you can clearly see the theme. And Ben is, like, the complete opposite of me, where <laughs> I like to make sure my prototypes look print-ready. Like, as they're, I spend way too much time prettying them up than I should. Where Ben is just more about, I just want the game to work. I don't care if it looks good. And they're all, it's just text and, you know, it's black and white. And But I can't wait to see the transformation, because the game is good. But when you start adding the colors and everything into it, it's just going to be, it's going to make the game that much better. Yeah, and that's, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm very stoked to see what it'll look like as well because I've only just begun the process for that. And about, I got about a week and a half to get all of it finalized and not all of it, but enough that people can get a sense of what the game is going to entail. Uh, I need to put some stuff into the video and get the video ready. The Kickstarter page is shaping up, so yeah, I, I mean, I've got it all in my head. I've got kind of the idea of the way that I want things to look. Jackie Davis is actually working on the skilled worker um, profiles, uh, pictures for us right now. We'll have probably about five to eight of them ready by the time the Kickstarter campaign launches, so people will be able to see the the direction that the art is going for those. Um, but most of the other art in the game is all going to be me, you know, sort of Viva Java style. Um, very a little bit more realistic than Viva Java, but still enough that uh, you know people will, will recognize definitely that it's a dice hate me game. So well, any, go ahead. Let me just stress though, real quick, this plays nothing like Viva Java. No. They couldn't be further apart from each other. No, no, absolutely not. It yeah. does, go ahead. I think I think uh, for most people, uh, if you if you enjoy procedural Euro games with, um, you know. T- a million pieces, tons of options every turn, and just, uh, you know, just a, a guaranteed, like, two-hour playtime, pretty much. I mean, yeah, it's going to be less than that sometime. Well, as you get, you get better. But, you know, it's a beefy game, and it's not the type of, you know, it's not an experimental interactive game. It's, like, it's beefy, procedural, processing, awesome Euro game. 
So yeah. it if is, you like that kind of game, yes. get into it. It is a definite, definite hardcore Euro. Um, all known information, uh, very, very little randomization or luck in the game at all. It's all known information. Uh, so, you know, if you like that kind of game, again, people have been comparing it very heavily to Agricola. Um, I would say that, that the comparison is apt. I enjoy it more than Agricola because I have more options during my play and I can play several different ways every game. Um, so anyway, if you want to know more about Brewcrafters, go back and listen to episode 52 if you have not already. Um, we'll also have more information coming out uh, via Dice Hate Me and DiceHateMeGames.com so go and check those out for more about that. Launching again as long as... You know, we don't have a typhoon or something doesn't blow me off the map. Next Friday, October the 25th. So, in other Kickstarter news, I had a few links that I wanted to share with different people and, and I, I sent to you guys to kind of take a look at. The first one I wanted to mention, however, is one that does not, I think I didn't include it in the show notes. But, right now, Monsters and Maidens is on Kickstarter. And that is by our good friend, Fred McKenzie. Yes. Yes. I've played he doesn't need any more help. <laughs> Well, right now, I mean, it's uh, it's not doing too bad funding-wise, but he can still use a lot of backers. It's a lot of fun. It's a dice game. It's it's all purely <laughs> dice. Um, it looks great. The art is... I love the art for it. Yeah, the art is fantastic. And, oh, and, I didn't check the newest update. I, see, the one thing I was looking for was, can you swap out maidens and for, like, you know heroes like is there is there a way that you could possibly make it so that w- the girls are are the ones rescuing saving, the guys saving the guys yeah 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 because there was some when monsters and maidens actually ran before on uh what was the name of that failed platform that they were oh um <laughs> oh give me a second project start kickstart no. thing uh funding <laughs> start fundraiser city. start city upstart city i think i don't know what it was but it was completely ridiculous anyway uh, people were kind of like raising all this fuss about it being like a chauvinist game that the that the you know the hero has to come and save the maidens. It totally wasn't like that at all, and it's definitely not Fred. So yeah, yeah, I, and I, and I, and you know I don't mean to bring that up. I was just I was just like oh when I saw I, it I was like oh come on I want I want to be able I, to do the opposite because I've heard a rumor and I can't confirm or deny, but I've heard rumblings. I guess. That that you can swap them out. Yes, I'm sure you can. I mean, it's the game yeah. itself is so flexible, and the way that Fred has designed it is is awesome. So if you like dice games, especially ones that are all your pressure luck dice games, this is a really good pressure luck game. And you know, I mean, we played it. Gosh, TC, when was that? Like a year and a half ago when it was first oh, yeah, in development. It was so long ago. It hasn't changed. I mean, I'm sure it has changed since then. Oh yeah, it's it's grown and adapted since then, and and Fred's you know made it better. He's gone back and taken our feedback and plenty of other people who've play tested the game. So anyway, go to Kickstarter.com, search for Monster. Monsters and Maidens, and pledge for it again. If you're living in the U.S., it's only 15 bucks. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, like, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. It's a good price for just a simple you know, dice game. Viva Java Dice is not a simple dice game. I mean, it is, but it's not. It's got a lot of stuff. It is, but, it is, but it's not. But Monsters elegant. and Maidens is elegant. elegant. It's an elegant game, but it has a <laughs> lot of moving parts. Anywho, so Monsters and Maidens, check that out. So I also sent you guys a link to gaming currency. So I've not figured out why there's been this sudden trend on Kickstarter about gaming currency. So one of the links that I sent you was uh, for, and, and the, the actual person who was running the campaign sent me the link to this. This is called Rare Elements, 
and um, it's by a, a company called Osborne Coinage. Uh, Mia. Mia is the one who's running it. Mia Sahoza. I'm sorry, Mia, if I'm mispronouncing your last name. But Mia Sahoza, she contacted me and wanted me to take a look at the campaign. And I thought, I mean, the, the, the concepts and the coins that you're wanting to put out are, like, gorgeous. Um, right now, they're they're running shy of their goal. They have a, a, a pledged uh, – they need a $50,000 goal for the Kickstarter, which is pretty high. Um, but, of course, these are ginormous, like, RPG – coins of all kinds of different currencies they have fantastic engravings on them um they have a full list of all the different types of coins they're going to put you know fire water earth air magic and time how many quantities you'll get and what the denominations of each of them are i mean it's it's really intricate in what they're trying to put together um but so rare elements is this one but that's not the only one that's been on kickstarter there's also right now metal dragon coins by Minion Games, and Minion has also done a previous campaign for coins, right? Yeah, they did the uh, futuristic gaming coins. Right, right, right. Yeah, which I did. Yeah, yeah. I backed that, too. Yeah, see... see. Hey, Daryl, did you do the, Con- the Conquistador one? Because I know we're going to bring it up. Did you do that one, too? I did that one, too. See? Yeah, see... See, I, that's why they're up there. Yeah, I know, because people love them. And as a matter of fact, I really... I really regret that I did not back the Conquistador ones. The, the Conquistador yeah, campaign really cool. was the best damn metal gaming coins ever. I mean, they looked really, really nice. Yeah. I would love to have them. Matter of fact, I know they'll have some more after the Kickstarter campaign, so I'll probably end up buying them from Bill and Conquistador. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what's I really don't understand. Honestly, they just kind of came out of nowhere. Like, all of a sudden, all kinds of people were doing gaming currency. So I, my question to you guys, would you buy currency for your game? But you guys apparently already have. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, why? I, I think I would never buy something okay. like this. Um, well, I jumped on the futuristic gaming coins uh, because we play a lot of games that require currency. And um, also, it's just... It's the metal coins, like the 10th anniversary uh, Puerto Rico oh, yes. spoiled me when playing any other game with coins. Because I'm like, I wish these were coins. We should just scrounge together pennies and nickels. <laughs> um, well, like Speakerstot has metal coins too. And it, to be such a small game, yeah. it's so great to have those metal coins when you're playing. Yeah, and it's just, it's just a nice feel. And it's like it's like poker. Like, you know, when you're playing with real poker chips, it's just so much better than anything else. But anywho, so I did the futuristic ones because they were the first ones to go up. And I'm not a huge fan of the sci-fi, but I was like, you know what? These look kind of cool. They're different. They're not round. They're like rectangular. And I I liked the shape and the design. So I was like, I'll back it. Um, And I backed that at a really high level. I'm getting a lot of them. Um, And then Conquistador came out with theirs. And they had the set that I really wish I picked up um, at Origins that I saw. But they revamped it, and then they added like twenty other different coin types, uh, as in different settings. So, like I like the Greek and Roman one, um, but then they came out with Celtic and pirate and like all these different themes and all these different sets, and they look really good. And well, I'm really jealous because I wish I had picked up several of the Conquistador sets, and they did fantastic. I mean, they had made one hundred fifty-four thousand dollars. Yeah, out of they, their original goal was five thousand dollars, and they made one hundred fifty-four thousand dollars off of these gaming coins. So now I'm thinking possibly we need to do some dice hate me games gaming coins. But <laughs> anyway, besides all that, of course. But um, I think that out of all the ones that I saw, I think the Conquistador ones seem the coolest, or at least the ones that I would want to back the best. But I will yeah. say 
just to point out that that rare elements, the one that I was um, contacted by Mia, um, they are probably the most intricate of any that I've ever seen. They are gorgeous. Yeah, they're absolutely gorgeous. Right now, they still have a long way to go to reach their funny goal, but if people listen to the podcast go and you're into gaming coins, these are some of the most... At least the, the plans that they have for these are fantastic. And I'm not sure why they're not doing as well as the others, but possibly because they're labeled more as RPGs, RPG coins instead of tabletop game coins, because most RPG gamers don't really have a use for coins. I mean, they might carry it as a uh, good luck piece or something like that, but you track most of your RPG stuff on you know on your character sheet. Um, but tabletop gamers, ones who are playing you know cardboard games and analog games, we have we have to have currency. Like that's. Mm-hmm. That's just what it is. So possibly go and check out Rare Elements. It's fantastic. Um, if if it does not fund, which I hope it really does, because it's I really think that the the uh, the Kickstarter campaign is a good one. If it does not fund, I hope that they relaunch and try to uh, move it a little bit closer to the tabletop crowd, because I think that people will react really well to it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, um, moving on to my next point was there is a Kickstarter campaign for a game called Keep the Crown. Um, did you guys check this out? I'm checking out right now. You're checking out right now. <laughs> I sent you show notes. Come on. We, we like to read our show notes as we go. <laughs> as you go. Yeah. I'm going to just stop sending show notes. I'll send them like two minutes before we start the show. Okay. Well, anyway, keep the crown <laughs> is sort of a, it, it's got a bit of an abstract flair to it. Um, but it's also using wizards and thieves you know, compete, people are competing against each other, but they're they're like you know, the campaign itself has stretch goals for uh, the little coins that are in the game to be, uh, you know, the gems that are in the in the game to be sort of uh, metallic or you know upgraded from what they are right now. But what I wanted to bring up is that Keep the Crown actually has a feature of its campaign that for the first I think the first time I ever saw it was when Jamie Stegmaier did Viticulture. They have a uh, money back guarantee on their Kickstarter campaign. And we've never really talked about this on the podcast, but what do you guys think of a money-back guarantee on, on a Kickstarter campaign? I think they're very bold. Um, and honestly, it, it kind of... I kind of it, it makes me want to back a game if I'm on the fence more. Okay. Um, because I'm like, oh, what do I have to lose? You know, if I don't like it, you know, no big deal. I'll send the game back and, you know, get my money back. All set is done. Um, I've seen some where it's like, you keep the game, and I'm... Eh, and that's just that feels wrong. It's like if I don't like it, I'm not going to ask for your, my money back unless I give you the product back because then I feel like right. I'm stealing. Right. Um, but um, yeah, I, I go them. That's awesome. Uh, I hope they can pull it off. I, I, I mean, I hope the game's good enough to where no one you know takes advantage of it. So no, I, I there's going to be a handful, but I think it's like one of those things where it kind of it evens itself out. Like there's going to be. That five people that are like, I ha- I don't like this game, and I'm going to ask for my money back, and that's just that. Or they're just going to do it just because of whatever. But it's like a handful of people, whereas... They, yeah, you're going to have the people that are going to be like, I hate it, and they've never played it. They just want their yeah. money back, period. And the vast, but, but that's the thing. It's like, if you back this, you're already looking to like it. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. Theirs is kind of weird just because it's like... I think you might have bring it up, bring it up because it's right there in your face, like as opposed to being hidden in the bottom. Like, yeah, we'll oh, give yeah. you your money back. Oh yeah, it's at the very, very top. It's like the first. Yeah, thing it's they it's almost like one of those like infomercial kind of th- deals. Like money back no, guarantee. No, no worries, money back guarantee. Mm-hmm. 
Like, yeah, I mean, uh, it's right above the is, folds. Yeah, yeah. Above the folds. Which is, You're so old school, Daryl. Which is fine. It's just, uh, I, I think it's actually a lot, um, like Daryl said, it's a lot more safe. People feel like it's going to be good because they're putting that behind it. And I don't think it's really too much of a risk. You're going to see a few people do it, but I think the vast majority of people don't want to be a dick. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I can't think of any... Well, I can't say any game, but I, I I can't think of many games that I would ever consider like sending back that I either bought or kickstarted. Honestly, I mean, most of the I mean, I'd say probably eighty percent of the ones that I've kickstarted have been worth the money that I paid for them. Especially trying to help, you know, people with the Kickstarter process. Mm-hmm. Uh, even with the twenty percent, possibly that I wasn't a hundred percent happy with, um, I don't think I'd want to send it back and get my money back. I mean, that just seems wrong to me. You know, it's like, you know, you take a risk. I mean, when you're on Kickstarter, people got to know, even, you know, we, we, we with Dice Hate Me Games, we don't offer a money-back guarantee, but we offer a quality guarantee that, oh. you know, people have, have grown to trust, you know, the name and, and, and the games and the designers, and that's good. But I can't imagine, like, you know, even in the worst circumstance being like, you know what, this is complete crap, I'm going to send it back. You know, I mean, that's just really yeah. tough. Well, I, I think this is becoming a move of, and I, I don't mean this to sound negative because it's, it's not at all, but I think this is becoming a move of people that are self-publishing as a way to get people to get backers to get onto their bandwagon. I mean, um, you know, when starting off, sure, you know, offer this, but once you get a, a, a two games under your belt, then everyone should kind of at that point realize what kind of quality of both gameplay and uh, component you know, you're going to be putting out. So like you said, in Dice Amy, like Carnival, you know, if it was a thing, you know, could have come with the money back guarantee because it was your first foray into all of this. Right. And after that, it's like, well, after Viva Java, it's like, okay, you've proven that everything looks, plays, and feels amazing with all the games. There's no point to do it anymore. Everyone kind of knows what to expect. Yeah, I guess it's kind of getting off the ground thing. And that's that's just kind of why I beg the question, like, you know, asking – you know, what do you guys really think about being Kickstarter backers and being in the marketplace? You know, would it would it really convince you to want to back the game? Um, but I'd have to be on the fence already about it. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to say, like, for instance, like, in in, in the uh, in the case of Keep the Crown, let's say, mm-hmm. it's not something that would push me over to want to back it. Now, I will say that I'm considering backing it because one of the the um, the pledge levels is uh, a limited edition mini game, which is like a little little tiny version of this, it. all handcrafted by the designer, um, and you can put it in a little bag and take it with you anywhere. That, like to me, the type of game that it is like that really appeals to me. It's twenty five bucks for the mini game. There's um, thirty one out of fifty left, and I'm considering the, you know backing at that level twenty five dollars for a portable mini game handcrafted by the designer that seems like it's got some you know some meat to it. I absolutely love the last sentence of that level. Not for big hands or bad eyes. Oh, yeah, not for big hands or bad eyes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's got a great sense of humor about it, and I think the campaign's really good. Unfortunately, right now, there's 13 days to go. They have a $14,000 goal, and they're at $5,163. So we we would encourage you guys to go and check it out. It seems like the the, the guy who's running the campaign is a good guy. Everything that's going on around the campaign is very lighthearted and and very positive. So if it seems like your kind of thing, go and check it out. I'm probably going to actually buy the mini game because it seems kind of cool. Anyway, 
So I, I want to bring that up because people have brought up the money back guarantee thing before. Jamie has uh, posted about his results of his money back guarantee when he did, did Viticulture on his actual blog. So if you're interested in those types of things, go and Google and search for uh, Viticulture and Jamie and, and the money back guarantee. And it's a fascinating read. I mean, all of his stuff, all the behind the scenes things that he's talked about as he's run, ran his Kickstarter campaigns or all the things that I've had to go through and um, it's a, a great behind the scenes for anyone who's wanting to really kind of break into uh, crowdfunding. So moving on from that, we have one other thing. Well, we have a couple of things we wanted to mention, but the one of the first ones we wanted to mention is that our buddy Scott King has a gaming calendar on Kickstarter right now, which is yeah. kind of interesting. It's a 2014 gaming calendar, and it's done with uh, using his photography, which mm-hmm. of course is fantastic. Um. And yeah, he has always fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah, his stuff is just he makes bad games look amazing. <laughs> exactly. Well, and his campaign is kind of fascinating too because he has six months already picked out, but the other six months are all up in the air for the backers of the calendar to vote on um, to fill out the rest of the calendar. Uh, so it's really cool. You should go to Kickstarter and just search for gaming calendar. It'll be the one that actually pops up. You'll see it'll be the first one on the list, and it's Scott King. Um, he's got some black and whites. He's got like, uh, what is it? Ticket to Ride is one of the big ones he's done. Um, he's also doing some some uh, some of the you know more traditional games like chess and things like that. He's got some meeples, but uh, it's absolutely gorgeous. Right now he's at six hundred thirteen dollars. He's got nineteen days to go, and there are fifteen hundred dollars for his total goal to be able to print the the calendar and get it out. And the calendar will be out like. What does he say? Like weeks within weeks of the end of the Kickstarter campaign. So yeah, because he's got. I mean, he's taking all the photos now. Um, yeah, so right. Every, I mean, he's doing everything himself. So all he's got to do is send it out to the print house and print and done. And now he put an out an update today where the calendar is going to be marked with all the major gaming conventions for 2014. See, now that's awesome, and that's really smart, because that'll allow people to kind of plan out their gaming year. But I know a lot of people don't use analog calendars as much as they used to, but... Ding, ding. Well, and I get that, TC, and I don't I don't as much either, but I do like to kind of have one, like, near my desk, just in case I want to kind of, you know, look something up really quickly, especially if it has cool art or things like that. But I'll tell you... That the calendar business is still in a big business because I mean there's whole stores or at least kiosks in the mall dedicated to these calendars and people are buying them. So people out there yeah. still depend on like putting down their important dates in the calendars and to have a gaming calendar like this that's going to show you when the major events are going on and when you can plan out is really cool, especially considering how good Scott's photography is. And, yeah, and that's and the I thing, think, and I think that's the key that that uh, the photography is really excellent, but the um, I mean that's a really cool idea to get that get that going. I think I think uh, the issue I was having originally with it was just the the fact that I, I don't I don't have a calendar on my wall. I haven't had a calendar for ten years, <laughs> um, and it's a very geeky thing like a board game calendar. So if anyone's kind of similar to me, they kind of are in the same boat. They just don't have a, a a fiscal calendar. But again, a lot of people are like. Uh, a little more uh, real than me, so they actually have a job that they have a desk and they put things up on the wall. And this is would be an excellent thing to put up on your wall, and it would just well, remind another you about those great dates. So another way to look at it too is, I mean, it's your normal you know flip wall hanging calendar. So you're buying twelve photos of his that are frame worthy, in my opinion. 
and that's actually one thing Leslie's already doing is she's already, you know, if it funds, she's going to buy 12 frames. So every time the month passes, we're going to take it out and put it up on the game wall. So, because the photos are good. Yeah. yeah, the photos are fantastic. And the six photos that he has right now are, uh, they're meeples. Mm-hmm. Um, they're shots, a shot of a classic wooden checker set, which is really cool. They actually are, what are these? Oh, they look like elements from the game Compounded. It's taint. It's just. It's taint. It is generic taint, but it's all in black and white. So, um, and then there's a good shot of Ticket to Ride, which is Ticket to Ride. Uh, is that Nordic? No, uh, Europe. Europe, yeah. Yes, Europe. Ticket to Ride Europe. Um, there's a classic shot of chess, which is a really nice chess set, and then there's a classic D20 set to 20 for a critical hit. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, go and check it out. Go to uh, Kickstarter.com and search for Gaming Calendar, and you'll be able to see the photos and the, the cool stuff that he has planned around the campaign. So we would highly recommend you go and, and check that out. Back it, back it, back it, back, back it. Back it, back it. That's right. Um, the, the other thing that I was wanting to mention, I don't know if this will actually even still be live by the time that the, the uh, podcast goes live, but there's another werewolf game. Ugh. Yeah, but, okay, here, I hear you say, that's when I really? mentioned that, I was like, ugh. <laughs> but, but the art is actually really cool for it. It's, it's kind of a neat. It definitely, it definitely does. Definitely what? cool art. Yeah. I was it, looking at it before you sent the link and I was like. Yeah, it has some neat, and we keep losing TC in and out, but um, it has some Ooh, neat art. That's what I was like. <laughs> and it was like, bleh. <laughs> um, it has some neat <laughs> art. The only thing about Werewolf, though, is like you don't even really need cards or a game to play the game. Um, but if you're really into Werewolf and it's something that you will play a lot, uh, this seems like a cool werewolf game to get because the art's cool. Um, it's right now it's made over twenty four thousand dollars just off you know several cards and that's pretty much it. Um, but there's only twenty three hours to go as of this podcast, so possibly it's not live by the time you, you hear this podcast unless you get it early in the morning. Um, I will mention that Gollum Arcana racked up five hundred eighteen thousand uh, dollars, which it will need because the miniatures in that game are ginormous. Have you guys seen Gollum Arcana? I saw them playing it at Gen Con. Yeah. Daryl, have you seen Gollum Arcana? I have not. Okay, well imagine... There's a magic wand, right? <laughs> yeah. Imagine... Yeah, you get to activate your people with a magic wand. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, picture pages, but for adults. Um, <laughs> yeah, Gollum Arcana includes... I mean, seriously, they're the biggest miniatures I've ever seen. I mean, they're just... You guys won't even know what I'm talking about, but... There's a, an independent company that used to, to develop gi- the ginormous miniatures that you could use with 40K, which were initially built for Epic, which are Titans and things. I mean, these things are huge. I mean, I, I don't know how anybody would carry around. I mean, you only use like a couple of golems when you're, you're fighting, but the miniatures look amazing. Still, $518,000. Absolutely crazy to rack up on Kickstarter. Um, and then finally, my final thing that I wanted to mention is that there's a card game about Pride and Prejudice on Kickstarter that just made over 50k, and it's called Marion Mr. Darcy, the Pride and Prejudice card game. Um, I knew this one would go crazy. I knew eventually people would go crazy on this one. I was just watching it going, it's yeah. only a matter of time before everyone jumps jumps on and buys this. Yeah, I, I, I thought the same thing when it kind of launched, and it launched shortly... I think it launched shortly before Bell of the Ball actually wrapped up. And, you know, Bell of the Ball did 
the way that I was expecting, or at least I had hoped that people would react to it, you know, with a, a game that's a little different in theme that's got kind of the, you know, you know that, that slightly off-boat Austinian, uh, you know, atmosphere about it. And now there's one that's really based on, you know, Jane Austen and, and uh, Pride and Prejudice and everything. So people have just fell, fell in love with it. The art is really cool. Um, it is nearing the end of its campaign right now as well. So if you hear the podcast and you really like Pride and Prejudice um, or you want to play a card game about trying to marry yourself off, <laughs> I just I also want to note one thing that I hope becomes a trend because I like the idea of it um putting yourself as the main character in the board game that is awesome. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> because the the if you see the video to it the person that makes the game looks exactly like the art on the front cover of the game. Yep. Absolutely. Well, it's even her profile picture. Yep. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, and she does. So that kudos to the balls to do that <laughs> and not even mention it, you know, not even mention the fact that that's the case. Uh, but it's awesome. Well, I mean, who else? You know, I mean, <laughs> might as well start with someone. I mean, that's well, what cool. Daniel Solis is in Bell, isn't he? Oh, well, yeah, we're both in Bell. Yeah. yeah, but he's not on the front cover as the Bell. <laughs> that's true, he's not the Bell. Yeah. That's UTC. <laughs> yeah, see, it should it should it should have been me. Oh, totally. Okay, so do you guys have anything that uh, on cool on Kickstarter that you want to mention at all? Um, no, I do. Well, you do. Oh, hey, PC's got one. Fun. Um, there was was a a game that came up on yesterday, and that was uh, Firewall. And the reason I the reason I'm interested in oh, it I've is played because... Firewall. Oh, you played Firewall? Yes, I have. Oh, okay. I think I, if I it's what it, I think. Um, uh, it looks really, really simple, and that's that's one of the that's one of the downfalls for me. I'm, I'm looking for something a little bit more heavy. Um, but oh man, it has a it has a specific thing that I think is totally awesome, and no one should ever do this. But <laughs> it's it's a hacking game, and it has these awesome dice that are custom, and each face is just this neat little like hacking. Like they're they're really fantastic. Look, they're really nice dice, and I've played um, with the prototypes for them. Yeah, and that's what's really grabbing me. I'm like, oh man, I get a ton of these cool dice. But uh, the the thing is, you can get the game in two different versions. One's uh, RGB and one's CMYK. Yeah, right? it's pretty awesome. Yeah. So two different games with two different sets of colors of dice, just because. They happen to correspond to like the types of monitors or, or and types oh. of like <laughs> colors. I think that's awesome, but don't anyone ever do that because you have to make two copies of the game. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good idea, and it's probably one of the reasons why their goal is twenty five thousand dollars because they're having to make two different sets of custom dice. However, I will say that once you have the mold built for the specific die. Um, making different colors of it's not that bad, but you do have to worry about packaging and sending out, you know, depending on what the people, you know, uh, order. So it's a little yeah. bit of a logistic nightmare. However, if you're willing to do that, and by this, this is run by Sarcastic Robot, Jonathan King, who actually follows me on Twitter. We talk quite often. Um, I didn't realize he was actually the one running this for whatever reason, but Dan Patrice, uh, who runs Geek All Stars, I was over at his house not too long ago. We played Firewall after we recorded the last podcast, and it's actually pretty fun. Um, it is very simple, and TC, I know you, you said you're looking for something a little more meat to it. I will say the game, 
does live up to its its uh, calling where it says it lasts only like 10 to 15 minutes. Literally, that's all as long as it lasts. Um, there are only so many choices to be made in the game, but I will say that as far as like a dice rolling game, it's really fun. Uh, I don't know how it would play. I'm trying to see what the play count is. We played with three players, which was pretty good. I would think four players would be just as good, but I don't know how it would play with a two players if you can play at two players. And I'm looking through the Kickstarter campaign right now. I will say with the three players that we played, um, I really had a good time with it. The prototype dice that were sent to Dan uh, for him to play the game were fantastic. And yeah. um, the just the, the mechanisms in the game as far as like how you block out ports and kind of the, the, the hacker aesthetic of it, if you're geeky and you like guy di- like dice, you'll really like this game. Yeah, it's, so, it's, it seems at least pretty cool. It is. Oh. It's, it's really cool. There's 32 days to go right now. So it just launched like today, right? Or yesterday. Uh, yeah, like yesterday, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's 32 days to go. There's a $25,000 goal. Um, it's at thirteen fifty-eight right now, so go and check it out. I do recommend the game, especially if you like dice rolling games that are quick to play. Um, you can play multiple times with this. I will, I will absolutely vouch that the dice are awesome. So if the final mold of the dice are as good as the prototype dice, uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be great. So cool. Uh, one that I'm kind of watching because it's still got a lot of time to go is uh, Dreaming Spires. Dreaming Spires. I'm not familiar with that one. Okay. it's It reminds me, not in gameplay, but style and everything, of New Science. Okay. Where it's about Oxford College. So you're oh, building buildings. Oh, this one buildings. just as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah and uh, you're building buildings and you're bringing in scholars. And they're real scholars like J.R.R. Tolkien and uh, Gene Wycliffe and all this stuff. And it, Lewis Carroll and... Uh, Oscar Wilde, yeah. Yeah, and they all do different things and different abilities. And it's just... I don't. It looks and the game looks pretty to boot. So uh, I'm. I've been watching this one, and I mean, it's already. It looks like a spreadsheet. I might like it. Yeah, I'm looking (laughs) at it right now. I'm like, yeah, I want this game. Yeah, it's already passed its goal. Um, so it's it looks really nice, and like I said, I I just been really watching it. So, and hey, look, it comes with coins, so I can use my. uh, my my coins I'm getting with this. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it does remind me very much of of a little bit of a tweak on um, new science, which I like. I mean, it's yeah, it's got design a lot wise, of, not not play wise. No, no, design wise, yeah. But yeah, it looks cool. I mean, and I love this kind of aesthetic in a game, so I'll definitely go and check this out. All yeah. right, so I think that is uh, enough Kickstarter talk. Um, I will announce that uh, now. Before we move on to the meat of the program, I'm going to announce the 24-hour board game marathon. And you've heard me mention this on the podcast before, and you definitely have heard mention of it on the Geek All-Stars. But this is a um, it's a marathon that's run by Dan Patrice and uh, the Gamers Armory in Cary, North Carolina. It's, it's run by Gamers for Cures. It's to benefit the Turner Syndrome Society. And it will start on Saturday, November the 9th at 8 a.m., and it goes, seriously, 24 hours, all night until 8 a.m. Sunday. And I've done it, and it's awesome. Um, and everyone who shows up is entered into hourly, hourly raffles for free games. you know. Uh, and then there's also the, this huge wall of uh, in-games, basketball and football tickets, electronics. I mean, just tons of stuff that Dan has worked tirelessly to, to try to get you know into the store for people to want to buy. And you can buy actual individual raffle tickets for those games throughout the night. 
Um, so I'll be there. Uh, Dan will be there. Adam O'Brien from the Geek All-Stars will be there. Uh, even Tiffany, the socially inept gamer, will be there. So there are tons of people who are going to be showing up. Again, remember that is Saturday, November the 9th. All the proceeds from that goes to benefit the Turner Syndrome Society. So come out, meet everyone. They're all fantastic. Everyone who, who games at Gamers Armory and who supports this every year are fantastic gamers. So remember, mark your calendar for Saturday, November 9th. Show up at 8 a.m., stay 24 hours, play a ton of games, win a bunch of games. It's great. Yeah, this this is on my, on my list of possible attending. You should come. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, there's another fantastic. So drink if you're playing the Geek All Stars and and Dice Hate Me State of Games drinking game. Um, if you want more information about the actual uh, Gamers for Cures event, go to gamersforcures.com and it'll have everything you need to find the event. Okay. So now we've got all that out of the way. Let's move on to the meat of the program. So what's going to be hot at Essen? So since most of us won't be attending the world's largest tabletop gaming convention, we're here to give you a preview of what you can expect to be the next big thing in gaming within the next three or four months. So we've both, or we both, we, we've all three taken our uh, separate entries, we've taken a look at some of the games that will be at Essen, and we've compiled lists of games that we're really looking forward to that we hope that we can buy soon after Essen, or if we were at Essen, we would want to buy. So if any of you out there listening are actually going to attend Essen, some of these games you'll probably want to pick up, and we'll try to uh, describe what they are as best we can. So and pick to- up a copy for us. Yeah, pick up a copy <laughs> for us, bring it back, especially if we recommend one of the games on our list, bring it back for us, we'll love you forever. So who wants to go first? Okay, bang the dice game. Oh, totally on my list. Yep. I'm sorry, I like Bang. Um, that is actually one of the games that uh, I'm not allowed to own because my wife hates it. Why but, does she uh, hate Bang? I don't know, but I'm hoping she likes the dice game because I'm buying it. Because <laughs> it looks awesome and I really want it. Yeah, it looks fantastic because when you're rolling the dice, you're actually trying to make sets. Um, so like, for instance, if you roll uh, the Gatling Cannon... Like in in the in the Bang card game, if any of you out there have played it, if you have not, you need to play it. It's one of the classics of of board card games. Um, mm-hmm. The selective roles, like trying to be the sheriff and the deputy and the outlaws and uh, the renegade, they're all still intact, just like the regular game. But now you're trying to roll dice and make sets. So, for instance, if you make a set of three Gatling cannons, you're able to injure every other person in the game. So just like playing the card. So instead of playing cards now, you're trying to roll dice each turn, keeping some dice, trying to make sets. It seems like it's going to be awesome. Um, absolutely on my list. A must-have as soon as it hits. It's, it's at uh, the Abacus Spiel booth, um, but it is done by Giochi or whoever normally puts out Bang the Dice Game, the, the Italian publisher who does that. And that's probably, I'm not sure who might do North American releasing for that, but we'll see. It's Da Vinci, right? Well, yeah, Da Vinci, I guess, DVGOC or whatever. Maybe it's called Da Vinci. I don't remember. I just remember that it used to be put out by a couple different uh, companies, but now it's DVGOC. I'm going it's to da, be. It's Da Vinci. It's not Da Vinci. It's totally Da Vinci. Dude, look it up online. I'm looking at my box right now. There is a D, a V, and a G-O-C-I. And it has three faces with a hand holding these three masks. So you go online and you look for it. That's who puts it out. It's pronounced Da Vinci. It's not. It's not. How you, you, know what? It. you know what, guys? I'll try it. But I guarantee you, <laughs> I'm probably not going to like it. Oh, because it's social? 
No, because it's not social. It's it's a <laughs> it's one of those games where you just destroy someone because they just won the last game of no. No, you're playing with and the wrong group. And then they're eliminated, group. and they go off and do something else. You're playing them with the wrong group. <laughs> <laughs> All Those right, so, are the types of games that you don't want that I don't want to play because people just gang up on me because I won the last game. Ah, uh, you're silly. All right, so t- give me one of your uh, list then, TC. Uh, one of my list? Yeah. Uh, let's do an easy one. Uh, I would really like to try this Legacy Testament of Duke de Crissy. I have that on my list as well. Um. And that is from uh, those lovely guys in Poland. Oh, the geek. Yeah, uh, not geek. Uh, the uh, uh, Portal games. Yes, there we go. Yes, I, can't, I, I couldn't remember it for some reason. Right. Uh, reason I reason I'm into it is just because it looks like uh, it looks like a really boring theme, but extremely thematic in that boring sense. And well, sometimes. Yeah, everybody on BGG has just been losing their minds over this game. Like, yeah, I, I I don't understand it, but well, I mean, come on, it's board game geek. I mean, it's if it's a if it's a dry, crusty theme with a lunch, bunch of things to to think about, people are going to go nuts about it. I will say though that even though it's kind of dry and a crusty theme, the the artwork and the graphic design for the game is fantastic. Oh yeah, well, I, and it's also a story kind of game. You build up a story, so. As opposed to it just being that dry, you know, I don't know what's going on theme, it actually is richly thematic. Right, right. Based on that, you know, and so it's not like a pasted on theme. It's like heavily integrated, which I'm interested in. So, yeah, it was definitely on my list as one that I would I would like to get. It. It, I even when the uh, the artwork for it was sort of in the hotness on uh, the front of BGG, I was looking at it and I was like, it's definitely one that I wanted to play. It seems to me like almost a reverse Last Will. You know, I mean, of course, yeah. you know, Last Will, of course, has kind of reversed a lot of Euros. But, uh, you know, Legacy is one where you're trying to kind of, you're right, build the story and actually build up your empire and, and marry people off and uh, get titles and build things, you know. And, and Last Will, you're kind of doing the opposite, where you're trying to be the absolute slob and get rid of everything. and, and um, Which I think will be kind of fun as, as a, uh, a turn of the coin for that kind of play. So that's definitely yeah, on my list and, as well. Yeah, it's it just you know I I really hope to see more along these lines. Even if even if it's not that even if I don't like the game, I want to see people exploring that kind of game. So I agree. Yeah. All right, so I'll throw one out on my list, and it's called "Eat Me If You Can." <laughs> <laughs> so the title actually got me when I was reading through the lists of different things that were out there, but it's called "Eat Me If You Can." And uh, it's actually one player is the Big Bad Wolf, and the other players play Little Red Riding Hood and Three Little Pigs. And they're playing against each other. And the art is absolutely adorable. <laughs> um, it is, I'm trying to think, let me see if I made in my notes here who's putting it out. This is, uh, this is Japanese. It's very Japanese. Uh, the, even the art's got some kind of you know uh, anime style or manga style art, kind of the cutesy style art. Japan Brand is the one as the publisher. I'm not sure when this might make its way to the U.S., but it'll definitely be at Essen. And just the art previews that I've seen are absolutely adorable. So I would like to pick up Eat Me If You Can. That's cool looking. <laughs> yep. Adorable. Adorable. All right, Daryl, nice. give us another one. nice choice. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, again, these are in no order. This is just kind of me flipping through everything. Um, so uh, the next one is 
uh, a game by my friend Philip Duberry, Canalis. Canalis, yep. Uh, from AEG, uh, another continuation of the the Tempest theme block that they're doing. Right. So in this one, you're uh, you're building canals and arranging them so uh, you can benefit from the power that they're giving you and, and back and forth. So it's kind of like an area building control, uh, which is kind of different in that world. So uh, I was talking to him a bit about it origin, so I, I'm a little hazy on the details, but it's Philip's name on it, so I, I've got to back it. So Yeah, I mean, I've, I don't think I've ever really played a, a DeBerry game that I haven't liked. I mean, he's got a lot of good, solid mechanics in all of his games, but they all also seem to have a little bit of heart. Um, Cordier was his first entry into the Tempest series, which I actually really liked. It's a little bit swingy. Um, so if you like games where you could be in control one minute and completely lose in the next, the Cordier is probably not for you. Um, mm. But I kind of like those kinds of games. They're, they're both infuriating but fascinating at the same time. I'm not sure how Canalis maybe stacks up to that based on the description that I've read from it, but it seems kind of interesting. And it's another one of the smaller titles in the Tempest line, so it seems like one that most people may want to try to, to uh, try. And I know AEG will be releasing it so- shortly after SN here, stateside, so that'll be good. Yeah, And it it's is not about an Italian showgirl, famous <laughs> Italian showgirl, uh, which apparently if you type in Canalis into Google, <laughs> that's the, one of the first options. <laughs> so one. if you're from Italy, you probably snicker when you hear this title of this game so <laughs> oh yeah elizabeth uh, elizabetta canalis elizabetta canal well i'm gonna have to go google it now hmm, hey yeah man. what's up <laughs> i'm muting hey. my microphone for a little while <laughs> I'll, I'll be in my bunk <laughs> all right so tc give me one from your list all right let's just do this one even though i is it an abstract no even though i own this the original um and, and to be honest, after a while, it kind of lost its luster. I thought at first it was really cool, but then kind of just, I think it was just because I pre-ordered it and everything. If it's um, what I think it is, I'll take your copy. What? Go ahead. Well, this is Mush Mush Snowtails. Oh, yes, Snowtails too. Oh, never yeah. mind. <laughs> so I'm interested in playing it and seeing what they do, do to uh, change it up a little bit because I think it was, it was really hard to teach to people. I, I can't. Like, there was a, a mechanic where you pulled your sled in a certain direction, depending on how much force you used. It was, it tried to be realistic in the sense, or it tried to not be realistic for the sake of um, making it easier to understand. But for some for people who knew how it worked, that confused them. So, like, if you had three dogs on one side and four on the on the left, you would pull towards the side that had more number. But in real sled dog racing, you do the opposite of that. And depending on the position of your sled, it was just really confusing as to w- if you were going to turn left or turn right and where in the turns you would need to be. So it was really hard to teach. So I'm hoping that this one does something a little different to make it easier to teach. Okay. Well, totally legit. I mean, I, I enjoyed Snowtails, but I've not played it as much as you, so. Yeah, I and, played it a few, a few times. Well, and the first time I played Snowtails, you played it for me, so, you know, I, I didn't know how it played at that point. I was <laughs> I was so drunk when we played that game. It was just insane. Anyway, <laughs> so, yeah, much, much seems cool. I'd love to try it out. Um, next on my list, were, these are in no particular order, but I will mention Francis Drake, 
Um, this is by Peter Hawes, or designed by Peter Hawes, and it's published by Eagle and Griffin. Um, this is one that I've been really excited for. I did the, the video for the Kickstarter campaign. I've not played the game, but I read the rules extensively because I had to do the video. And ever since I read the rules, it seems like one that I really, really want to play. Um, it's all about you know exploring the world, and, and you're going out with, with ships. You're, you're trying to um, gather... Uh, supplies in Plymouth Harbor, but you're trying to do so in such a way that you possibly want to be the first one out of the harbor because you get some benefits, but if you don't take enough time and uh, you, you won't get the supplies that you need to make you be successful during that round of exploring. Um, it's got some hidden information that's going on. It seems to me, honestly, like from what I could glean from the rules, it seems like it's going to be one of the best games of the year. So I'm super stoked about Francis Drake. I'm hoping that I can get a, a, a review copy from Eagle and Griffin so I can check it out soon after Essen. So if you're going to Essen, it's one of the ones that you definitely want to stop by the Eagle and Griffin booth and check out. And let me know how it is. Yep. Solage. Solage. Choice. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. <laughs> that. All right, Daryl, what's up? Uh, a super obvious one, Rampage. Oh, yeah. If, you don't, if you're not going to Essen... What's you that? You don't go to Essen and pick up Rampage immediately. You're out of your mind. Yeah, I, if yeah, get me Rampage. Someone get me Rampage. I want Ram. I'm going to. I'm. I'm going to pre-order Rampage like tonight. Seriously. So I don't know when it'll be delivered after Essen, but not too long after Essen. About three weeks, I think, is what they said they were going to do. But Rampage, I watched it demoed several times at Gen Con. Mm-hmm. It seems so much fun. Yep. There anyone? I'd rather I- play the video game. Well, I would, well, I'll be honest with you. I'd rather play the video game as well, but uh, I'm sure that the the analog game right now is going to be a, a lot of fun. It's not quite the same as the Rampage video game, but still, yeah, you get to flick things. And yeah, you get to flick things. Forward, I guess. Yeah, and kind of knock people over. But anyway, it seems pretty awesome. The only thing that I'm little little wary about with Rampage that I saw and noticed with the Rampage that was at Gen Con. They chose to demo the giant rampage that they had uh, made specifically for demoing, which is fine for demoing. But there are certain things and actions that you take in the game that may not be as easily easy to control if they're not in a giant format. So I'll be very interesting to, interested to see how the smaller version of Rampage actually works out. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it's going to be a blast. But and if, and if it doesn't, look what they did with uh, Takanako. Ta- ta- Takanoko? Thank you, Takanoko. I'm sure they'll release the giant version probably. eventually. Yeah, probably. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of people who buy It's a fantastic game. I mean, it seems like it anyway from what I was watching the demos. So I, I can't wait to get my hands on that. Uh, Let's see. Is, is it TC's turn again? Yes, TC. <laughs> TC. It's my turn. We're going down the good old boys. So let's do a weird one. Okay. I saw this one off to the side, and I'll probably never see it again, but I'm going to keep it on my list so that maybe if I see it again, I'll uh, get a chance to play it. Um, it's a weird oddball game called Intrigue City <laughs> okay. by Purple Games. Okay. Um, and the reason it caught my eye, and, you know, I have no, again, I have no clue about this game, and I haven't heard anything about it, but the reason it caught my eye was because it has secret motivations and some positive player interaction in how you are kind of uh, kind of putting influence into peop- into people or cer- certain secret societies and then 
together lifting up the value of those secret societies. So you don't really know who's doing what. But then also, the thing that was the weirdest thing ever was the fact that the symbol there's a symbol to represent the six different uh, factions. And it's a spider with six legs. And I was like, what the hell? Why would you do that? <laughs> it's because it's called the Spider Lodge. It takes place in the Spider Lodge, a high yeah, why, secret council. Why would it be a spider with six legs? Why not just call it? It could be anything else. Very yeah, but a spider does not have six legs. So no, exactly. that is, no, all spiders have six legs. No, they don't. <laughs> they do. Yes, you're, they you're do. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Whatever. What? Whatever. All I can tell is that there's a spider with six legs on the on the on the middle of the game board, and everyone's going to be like, "Why the hell is there a spider with six legs on this game board?" <laughs> that's called a Daddy Long Legs, and that's the only thing people are going to remember about this game. I think. <laughs> and by the way, did you know that Daddy Long Legs is one of the most poisonous spiders in the world? That has yeah, been debunked. That's been debunked. Watch Mythbusters. Oh, I've watched Mythbusters. And Mythbusters are full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> they don't okay. always have the answer, Daryl. <laughs> they had. They. They. Yeah. Okay. All right. Moving on. Moving on. Okay. Okay. That's not true. All right. So I'm going to pull out a weird one too. Then I'm going to pull out CV. Have you guys heard of CV? No. Okay, it is a. It sounds familiar, but I don't. You know, you have to say what it, it is. It's one of the games that actually has has shown up on the front page of BGG in recent weeks, and it's it's a dice rolling game. And I'm going to read to you a little bit of what they consider or, or what the description is. What would have happened if? Have you ever wondered who you would have been if your life had gone differently? How would you direct your life if everything was up to you? Maybe you would be a magician or travel around the world. Or maybe a big business tempts you and your goal would be to earn a million dollars. In the game CV, everything is possible. A dream job, new relationships and skills. You can be whoever you want. Build your history step by step. At the end of the game, you'll have a unique collection of cards, your curriculum vitae. The player who best accomplishes their life goals will be the winner. So, so it's a board game vitae. version. Yes. It's a- it's, it's a board di- game version of Dave Matthews Band's Dancing Dancer song. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It is the it is it, it is literally a dice rolling game about like creating your life, your dream life, and then having the best CV at the end of the game. <laughs> I don't know why it fascinates me, but just looking at the board game page for it, I'm just like, I want to play that game. It sounds awesome. So many does, options. That, that, that description sounds much more awesome than the actual like look of the game i know right i mean you know but, but a dice rolling game where you actually get to construct your life i mean that's pretty cool that's so, really cool i yeah, wish they then, would have gone with a different art style but that's yeah right. maybe a little bit but that's got to be depressing when you're all over with because you're like yay i'm a multi-million dollar doctor and then you look around and you go no i'm not well dude that's <laughs> that's why we play games it's a little bit of an escape it's okay <laughs> <laughs> by the way i'm just gonna throw this out by the just just before we move on to anything else i'm actually sad that they changed the name of wiener melange to cafe melange by the way oh i have that on my list yeah you, so you have wiener melange on your list i have wiener melange okay why is why did they change it because I people mean, were laughing about obvious it being reasons. called wiener melange they didn't change the name of cape horn <laughs> well that's a little different if it was wiener porn <laughs> no wiener horn i know Any wiener difference. horn anyway so anyway all right so yeah. go, go ahead daryl what's the next on your list uh oh, let's see where i'm at i said rampage last um okay yes. i guess i will break out the first abstract whoa get out of here. 
Uh, this was actually released in 1995, then it went away, and now it's coming back, and this time it's coming back all wood, and I didn't know about it until now, and now I want it in spades. And that is a game by Reiner Knizza. Um, oh, Lord. Catch. What? Catch. What? Is it called C A? Is it spelled C A T C H? C A T C H. Catch. Okay. So I gotta, I gotta it's Google a, this one. It's a wooden board, and you know, there's it kind of looks like a a Chinese checkers kind of setup without the star. And your opponents will take turns. It's two player only. So I have these black blocks that I can place horizontal. And say if I was playing TC, he can only place them vertical. And so I'll place a block, then he places a block, and so on, until there's a space uh, between blocks that's like uh, five to uh, one spaces. Um, and then whoever made that space would fill in with their color marble. So it, you're filling up the whole board. Whoever has the most marbles at the end wins. Huh? <laughs> what? What was you saying? What? Uh-huh. Sorry. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> but anyway, it... it I saw the gameplay video and everything, and I, I, it looks really good, and I, I, I don't know, it seems like it fit in my collection. So I, I will it. say it looks like a gorgeous production of it. I mean, I do like these kind of wooden parlor game types that this looks yeah. like. Yeah. So. so yeah, wood games. Neat. I'm a, I'm a what sucker are you, for wood games. Talking about Chris. I don't understand. This looks great. This looks fantastic. So much fun to have at your lake house. I don't know. I don't know what could be more exciting than this. So. <laughs> I hope I hope you get the chance to play. Probably this. a sharp stick in the eye might be more exciting than this. But anyway, the production value looks good. Why do I care? Hey, I think it looks cool. I don't understand why Franz Volwinkel is somehow related to it, but whatever. He did the art. Franz, I know, but Franz if you look Volwinkel? at the art of the original version, you're like, how does he even get credit for that? Yeah, the, the original art looks so bad. But whatever. <laughs> so, Whatever, but so hey, I'll I'll play it if you get it. I'll watch you guys play it if you get it. Lawyer, <laughs> RTC. <laughs> what do you got on your list? Oh, is it me again? Yep. Yeah, I have. Oh, I'm I'm curious about this one, even though uh, it might be bad. It's the rats in the walls. That's an and interesting choice. This is one of my surprising. One of my favorite. Uh, H.P. Lovecraft short stories. It is a good one. And uh, it, they happen to make a game about it. And the cool thing about it is it's a liar's dice game-esque uh, game in the sense that you roll a die and there might be rats on it and there might not be, but you keep it secret and the next person has to... And you say, there's no rats in the walls, or you say there are some rats in the walls. And the next per- and the next person either doubts you or lets you go with it, and then it's their turn, and they either have to up the rats say there's no rats at all. So, since there could be no rats, each each time you add another die to the the to what's being secret, as so it ramps up and more rats get in the walls and I don't know. It looks it looks fun because I like the idea of losing sanity as you're playing the game, but then calling someone out to try to not lose sanity, but at the same time, yeah. So it's really thematic in the sense that it works really well. There could be rats in the walls. There might not be. But you get more and more crazy as you go along. I would totally play that. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I'm writing that Good. one down. That sounds yeah, awesome. Yeah, seriously, I'm putting that on my list right now. All right, so you convinced me. <laughs> the rats in the walls. Anything that has to do with Lovecraft, dice, insanity, heck, I'll play that. 
Sounds yeah. Awesome. It just seems simple. So, Sphinx did, Spiel of Lag. Uh, yes. Obligatory. Obligatory mention. Did Lonius make this? No, he did not. Oh, he didn't. Okay. He should totally have. But anyway. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go with a game that some people are kind of on the fence about, um, but I think it seems kind of interesting, and that is Yunnan. Is Y U N N A N. It's about managing growing a tea dynasty way, way in the past, and I know that sounds completely boring, but let me read to you what the game description says. Yunnan is well-suited for players who like tactical development games. Due to the interleaving game mechanisms, the players are involved at all times. The great variety of available actions allows for different strategies. So right there, you've got tactical development, which I love. Um, the game mechanisms that have players involved at all times, boom, right there, I'm with you. And then, of course, uh, tons of different strategies. Hey, sounds awesome. Um, it, has a, it has a gorgeous board, and it has meeples. Um, it's designed by Aaron Haig, which I don't know exactly what Aaron Haig has done in the past. Uh, I don't have, think anything. I don't think anything either. But anyway, it seems like it seems to have sort of a mixed bag on BGG right now. I think the the overall there's only nine ratings that I can see, or two ratings, and it's a, a six right now for people who have played it. So I don't know how good it's going to be, but I think that the the board art looks fantastic. The perspective on the board looks really fun. Um, and the fact that it has uh, what it's touting as uh, people who like tactical development games, those are my favorite. The ones that you have to think on your feet and things constantly change during the course of the game. It's not a long-term strategy game. That's the kind of things that I really like. So I think I'd like to check out Yunnan, hmm. or however you pronounce it. Yunnan. Yunnan. <laughs> I have no idea. All right, Daryl, what you got? Uh, okay, here's my weird one. Uh, Sukimono. 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 Um, so it's a uh, it's a Japanese game uh, right now, uh, but obviously an English version is coming out, and uh, it is a Japanese stock market game of real time card collecting. Um, and you're what you're doing is you're collecting pots and plates during the Edo period of Japan and then selling them highest to lowest um, to try to reap the most amount of uh, uh, of money for it. And you know, gameplay aside. You know, fine, but you know it. It uh, it already interests me, but the game, the art, and the graphic design in this game is beautiful. Oh, it's fantastic! Yeah, I want this. I want this game just framed on a wall. Uh, and like the cards have the wood texture, which you know, if, hey, for all you compo- compounded people, as you notice, I like putting wood textures <laughs> yeah. on things. I He'll put wood it. texture on anything if you let him. <laughs> so you gotta watch out. Um. But uh, it's 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 just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful looking game, and and I'm I know a lot of it's the Japanese characters, and part of me is hoping that I can get a Japanese version and get just get English rules and learn how to play from that because it just the art I'm pretty sure just yeah I just I, I think English words would just destroy the look of this game. So, but anyway, it, it uh, is, very pretty. Look game. it up, please, just to look at it and admire it and give it a thumb. Yep, give it a thumb. Mm. All right, TC, what you got? Um, the the the. the why don't we do? Okay, so how about? Um, oh, we already talked about those things. <laughs> um, let's see. 
Why don't I go down a quick list? Because these are all just in- ones I'm interested in, but I don't really want to talk about too long. Okay. Um, Frog Flip. Of course, yeah. Which, I which, have that which on I backed on, backed on Kickstarter. That is by, of course, Jason Katarski and his daughter, Claire. Yep, and Sprocket Games and Michael Fox and right. everything. So, exactly. sweet. I want to play Frog Flip. I like it. So, there you go. Going, going, gone. I have a little backstory with this one. Going, going, it's a, gone it's is a, a, great. A Stronghold Games game. Did you play it yet? I have not, but I want to. I saw it being played, and it was one of those things that reminded me in a negative way as to how not to... Yeah, I won't get into it. I won't get into it. But uh, but basically, if anyone wants to know my little story about going, going, gone, I'll tell you. <laughs> and it's not really that big, but it, remind, it reminded me that open game development is more important than worrying about being secretive about your games. But anyway, so uh, this one's by... This one's... Uh, Stronghold Games looks to be really really fun because you get to control it, it's real time and it's a bidding game but it's real time bidding game that you have pretty much no control over so you're just throwing cubes into things and hoping that you didn't throw too many in a, bo- in a little jar and stuff before the um, before you get your fingers cut off by the guy that's dropping this weird thing and it's weird but it's, it's cool it's a cool bidding game um, and then uh, Serpent's Tongue which is Unbound Games, which is also on Kickstarter. You were trying to get me to play that all through Gen Con, so... I know. I was trying to get a group to play just so that we could all talk and be, uh, you know, mages. Uh, (laughs) But you get to actually talk and say your spells, and that's the only way that... And you have a time limit to do so, so that's the only way that you can cast them, and you get better as you learn the language, I guess. But my friend Tim's going to have that, so I don't have to worry about playing that or not, because he's going to get it from Kickstarter. So those are my weird little ones, and I'll just put them all in one pile. Okay. Well, I'll throw a weird little one that I'll put into that pile, and then I'll mention another game here in a second. But since we're talking about, like, you know, uh, Frog Flip and our buddies, I'm going to mention Mark Rivera is going to be there with Luchador, which is a Mexican rice, uh, Mexican rice, Mexican wrestling dice game. Um, He's been talking about this for a long time. It seems, like, really fun, like, really simple to play. you can do a two-player or four-player tag team, and it's all about you know Mexican wrestling with dice. Seems like a lot of fun. Um, so I have I'll, that on my list too. There you go. So Luchador. All right, so I'm going to throw out a bigger one now. Uh, one that I've actually wanted, and this is a little bit of a cheat because it was actually at Gen Con, and it's one that I wanted to pick up at Gen Con and I didn't, and I regret it every second. But it's the Phantom Society from Fun Forge. And I love, I mean, probably one of my favorite movies of all time is Ghostbusters. I'm, I'm a huge paranormal fan. I love ghosts. Phantom Society is like ghost busting on, as a board game. Um, it's at Gen Con. I should have bought it. Uh, the art is gorgeous. I've seen it played a couple times. It looks like a ton of fun. It's all about, you know, a haunted house. There's all sorts of different clues and things you have to uncover. It actually has a board that is dual story. Um, so you have an uh, you know kind of an upstairs and a downstairs that you're working with the, the I've not I've not seen better art in almost any game anywhere than Phantom Society. Uh, someone had it at uh, the that board game thing uh, slash Schmocon, and I wish that I had been able to convince them to let me play it. I want to get it very badly. Um, currently, right now, it has a 6.74 on BGG, but I think that that's a little bit low because it's more of a kind of a family game 
I don't have a problem with that. It's put out by Fun Forge. It's also um, produced and distributed by Yellow, of course, because anything that has good production value is going to be put out by Yellow. And I would, I just, I want it. I want to play it. I want to own it. I want to play it. All right, Daryl. Well, it looks okay. It looks okay. It looks All okay. Right. <laughs> I'll spit I, I might two. play it. All right. Um, I'll Go spit up two because they're by the uh, uh, same publisher. Um, uh, both by Ludonaut, and that would be Lewis and Clark and SOS Titanic. I cannot wait for Lewis and Clark. Um, even SOS Titanic has me really intrigued. Uh, eh, it's it's a it's a co-op, so I'm not sure. Sure, but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I'm not talking to you anymore. I'll tell you. <laughs> go ahead. Um, but yeah, I yes, both of them, Lewis and Clark, I saw at a Gen Con, and uh, I saw a demo of it. Now, and, and my jaw was just kind of like, that looks awesome. I need to try this game, um, like firsthand. It just it just really cool. The dual used cards and stuff is just. Really cleverly executed and done on Lewis and Clark. And uh, SOS, yes, because it's a co-op. Um, and I, I, I like co-ops. But also because if Lewis and Clark is good and I like their other game, uh, Little Prince Build Me a Planet, then you know what? SOS probably has to be at least you know good as well. So I would agree. I can't wait for the, um, the Little Prince sequel, Make Me a Sandwich. <laughs> my wife plays that from time to time <laughs> little prince make me a sandwich <laughs> um so those are the two and then i have three more but i don't know how many you guys have left on your oh, list i so. have a ton left on my list so we'll, we'll oh. stretch them out we'll stretch them out all right, all right so tc uh before we get to you i want to mention that by the way i didn't know if you noticed this or not but global mogul is going to yeah. be at essen i did notice that okay <laughs> Just wanted to put that out there since it has the TC seal of approval. Well, you know, I, I, already, I already have access to that game, so I don't need to pick it up. But <laughs> let's just, you know, All right. for everyone else out there that hasn't picked up Global Mogul yet. Although I don't know who you are because you should all pick it up. Oh, of course. I I, I say you can, you, you can pick up that game. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And redesign um, it. And redesign it anytime you want to. The art-wise, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, you can probably print and play it, and it's still the same quality. <laughs> but that aside, it's a fun game. Uh, okay, so I will go with... Uh, let's do a stupid one. Okay, Swine. Swine? Yeah, Swine. This seems like a game that we should probably come over in Barnes & Noble. But if it, if it does, <laughs> um, in Target or Barnes & Noble, come over and it's published someone here. Because it's, it's it sounds dumb, but at the same time, Word game. It's called Zwine. Z W I. The idea is basically you are. Uh, there's a pile of cards in the center, collecting them, and you're uh, uh, as they come down, as the cards get laid out, you're trying to make compound words out of the cards. So, like, if there was a picture, of... yeah, TC. That's not working, TC. Um, TC, we're losing. If there was you. a picture of a wheel, picture of a home. You might be like wheelhouse. <laughs> he doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't care. TC, can you can you go up on the roof or something? We're we're losing your signal. <laughs> You've been cutting out that entire description. Care. Chris is going to have to edit that entire description. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> uh, did, 
Am I back now, at least? Uh, for the most part. For the most part. Nope. Maybe you should skip me and go to something else. No, 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 no. I think you're you're coming okay. You're not, like, as good as Clicky. you were, but... It's still... It's okay now? Yeah, it's okay. Alright, go for talk it. slower. Yeah, so, Svine. <laughs> tell us about Svine. So, TC, tell us about Svine. Uh, yeah, so, Svine. Okay. Svine. Zvine is a compounds, compounds words game. Um, the idea is, say, it's based on, on cards that have pictures. So you can reinterpret those pictures however you want. But say there was a picture, you know, one of those nautical steering wheels on one card. And then another card on, on the table was uh, a picture of a, a mansion. You would be... You would just say, you would yell out, wheelhouse, and that would be your combination, compound word, and you would take those two. So you look, you scan the table for word, for different cards, and you pick them up as you can make a compound word out of the two of the cards. Oh, I see. And so I I'm looking at it right now. Neat. It does sound pretty neat. Like, I'm looking now um, with one of the representative images on BGG, and, like, for instance, there would be a dog picture of a dog, and then there's a parrot. So you could go bird dog, and that's your compound word. Is that what you're saying? Exactly, yeah. Okay. That's so cool. I think it, I mean, those games, sometimes you get into that situation where you keep coming up with the same words over and over again. But at the same time, I like that whole Anomia feel. Um, if, if people haven't played Anomia, it's a great game too. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, totally. So I think this will have a good amount of tension as people are trying to figure out, oh, man, how do I adapt? this picture into a word that goes with that other one. So I think it'll be fun. I'm not saying it's going to take the world by storm. I would play it, though. I would totally play it. I mean, it, it looks like it's got that Anomia feel to it, and Anomia is a fantastic game. So Yeah, exactly. And uh, there's no die rolling. There's no other aspects to it. It seems very simple, and I like those kind of word games. So I agree. Good choice. I'm adding it to my list. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to throw out one right now that's going to be completely awesome. And it is also from Fun Forge. Uh, and it is called Quantum. Are you guys familiar with Quantum? I'm not. Qu- you need, not you need, at it, but you need to look I at Quantum it. right now. I'm, going to, I'm, I'm looking going to at Quantum. Quantum right now. All right, so I'm going to read a little bit of the game description. In Quantum, each player is a fleet commander from one of the four factions of humanity struggling to conquer a sector of space. Now, Bear with me. Every die is a starship, with the value of the die determining the movement of the ship, but also its combat power, with low numbers more powerful. So a six is a quick but fragile scout, and a one is a slow but mighty battle station. And each type of ship also has a special power that can be used once per turn. So we're talking about Alien Frontiers blasting the crap out of other people. I mean, doesn't that sound awesome? Blame. Lame, come on. No, no. I can't say lame. It does have player tableaus. It has tableaus. Ooh. Yes, exactly. And you win by constructing quantum cubes 
energy extractors. So you're trying to build one, uh-huh. expand your well, ship. Well, you're, you're completely pitching it to the wrong type of person. Well, I'm pitching it. I am pitching it to the thousands of listeners out there. Yeah, thousands, right? But anyway, thousands <laughs> of listeners out there that want to play a dice game where their dice are actually ships that can blow the crap out of each other. Yeah, I'm writing this one down. Yeah, you better because it's going to be awesome. Cool. Well, it sounds awesome whenever you were building the dice. Well, pretend like you're building dice the entire time, then. Why I'm just going to sit off in the corner and turtle. <laughs> yeah, of course you are. I'm going to build up my dice until they're all ones. Oh, you're I don't know why I'd be building them up to ones, but it sounds fun. Yeah. All right, Daryl, what else you got on the list there? All right. Um, this is a game I never even heard about. I'm pretty sure everyone that's listening is going to go, what? And then immediately look it up once I explain what the components are. Maybe I like this game because of the components. Maybe I like this game because of Eva Java. And if the game sucks, I can oh, use the components. Oh, Cappuccino. It, um, Cappuccino. Yep. Hey, you're stealing. <laughs> it looks stealing. fun. Stealing it looks so much fun. It, does it look looks fun. so cool. <laughs> so describe to the listeners what Cappuccino is. Yeah, so, this one's on my list. There was some reason I... Uh, some reason I yeah, so in Cappuccino, you know, you're going to stack coffee cups to capture other coffee cups. And the game actually has 64 plastic coffee cups in the four coffee colors. So, like, cream, light brown, tan, and, like, black. And it just, it looks so cool. <laughs> it looks all. like a lot of fun. I mean, just, there's not a lot to the game, but the components no. look good. It seems like it'd be really kind of quick and fun to play. Yeah, and I just I don't know. It just it looks it looks very entertaining. So okay. Cappuccino. Cappuccino. Mm-hmm. All right, TC. Wow. I'm surprised you guys even knew that one. Oh yeah, I mean Capu- I mean that was on my list. Oh. It's on my list too, as part of the coffee revolution. <laughs> What's what else is on the coffee revolution? The Cafe Melange. Oh, Cafe Melange. Which was apparently Wiener Melange, it but was, I didn't know that. It was Wiener Melange, yes. Uh Man, I'm very sad that it's not still Wiener Melange. It should totally be Wiener Melange. They totally wienered out. The the idea that... I know that they were like, oh, well, who's going to buy Wiener Melange? But come on, there's people out there that would see Wiener Melange on the shelf, and they'd be like, yes. That <laughs> of is course. perfect Christmas present. Of course. What's in my stocking? A Wiener Melange. <laughs> Wiener. <laughs> exactly. So I don't understand the the, the choice to not call it. Wiener Melange, but well, the actual drink is called Wiener Melange. I mean, they should not have changed it. I mean, cafe melange just sounds kind of weird now. Now you've got a whole melange of things in your cafe instead of like it actually being a drink, which is <laughs> Wiener Melange. Anyway, uh, yeah, Wiener. So, <clears throat> I guess it isn't there. Isn't there a um? Isn't this a type of literary device? That this is talking about? What, Wiener Melange? Uh, no, no, just like the idea of what it is. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Café Melange takes place in Vienna in 1910. Prominent individuals such as Trotsky, Klimt, and Freud meeting one another in a coffee bar central. Isn't there like some... There's a literary device that has to deal with putting people from history into the same location in some weird way like this. So I don't know if that's somewhat related to what the name's about. No, um, well, the name is the name is based around a a you know Cafe Vienna. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. Wiener Melange. That's kind of what it is. But I have no idea. 
I mean, that's that'd be something interesting to look up. But I mean, the, the gameplay of of Cafe slash Wiener Melange seems interesting. You're trying to get next to the most influential person in the cafe at the time, right? Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that um, Cafe International. Yeah, um, that was a old. All right, so TC game, which I haven't us, played, but I'd like to play it some. So, get, give us another thing off your list that doesn't have to do with wieners. Okay, so no wieners. Um. Oh yeah, I, I read the uh, designer diary for this. Uh, New Haven. New Haven. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, would like to try it. I it's been apparently forever in the making, like ten years. So, um, you'd think after ten years it should be good, but you never know. It could be. It could be outdated after 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could be. Um, I don't know too much about it, really. Even after reading the designer diary, it just kind of went right over my head as to what you're actually doing in the game. But um, I can try it out. <laughs> I mean, it seems like one. that's one that's on uh, my sub list because I figured that Adam O'Brien will end up in New Haven shortly after you know uh, Essen. I'll be able to try it out, but... It seems like one that I would, I'd like to play because it has a good pedigree. It definitely has a good development cycle on it. Yeah, yes. All right. So, I mean, and yeah, so I have no clue. I I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to act like I there's something specific in it that I find but the the uh, stick-to-itiveness, I guess is what I like about it. So, I'm curious to try it. I I would I would play it with you. <laughs> All right, so let me break out uh, Caverna de Hollenbarn. Yep. In other words, Caverna the Cave Farmers. Yep. Um, yep, there you go. So it's like Agricola, but with dwarves instead of people, and more animals like dogs and donkeys. And the, the prototype shot that is on the BGG page for it looks like a parts factory actually exploded which is cool because it reminds me of Brewcrafters when it's on the table because it has so many pieces. But um, Ewer Rosenberg has played it. He said that it has a lot of elements of Agricola in it, but it also introduces a lot of new things. So um, I love Brewcrafters, obviously, since I'm wanting to publish it, but I have a feeling that I would love to play Caverna de Hollenbarn, or or the Cave Farmers, because it's going to be like uh, Agricola, but again, it has dwarves and more animals in it, so... I will probably like it a lot. Looks like a ripoff of Brewcrafters. <laughs> it's a ripoff so of not, Brewcrafters. I'm not so. really interested in it. All right, we're going to cross I'd that off. I'd rather list. play the real thing that it was inspired by. Like, oh, of course, yeah, Brewcrafters. Yeah, that's that's what inspired it. Obviously. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm not. I, I, to be honest, I, I'm not a big, huge Agricola fan, surprisingly. But uh, uh, I'm not really interested in this one because it's so close to Agricola that I don't know, I want people to expand and do different things. So Well, I'd like to try it out close. simply because I do like Agricola and I like I like, you know, playing games that have a little bit of a derivative derivativeness off of it or derivit derivativity. I don't know if that's even a word. But anyway, uh Caverna seems like it would be different enough simply because it has dwarves and things, but also like you know, Brewcrafters was inspired a little bit by Agricola, but it plays completely different. Um, and I like it so much better because you're mm-hmm. able to do so many different things with it. I like where you can start with, and this is the way Euros kind of do. There's this key mechanic or key 
um, inspiration that people have, and they go and they build other things that are based off of that original one, and possibly the original is better or the derivative is better. This may be the same thing with Caverna, and it probably is the same way with Brewcrafters. Of course, I'm a little bit biased. So anyway, moving on. Daryl, what else well, you got? I'm going to stick with the U. Rosenberg theme. Okay. And uh, this came out last year, but not in the States, and supposedly this is it's going to be at Spiel again and going to be launching in the States next year. And it's currently called Warful Bonanza. And Bonanza is probably my favorite game by you, Rosenberg. And Warful Bonanza is Bonanza With dice? the dice game. Oh, I totally missed this. i got to put that on my list. Right? Oh, so yeah. I won it. What? Das Warful Bonanza? Das Warful Bonanza. You ask you roll for your beans. <laughs> How did I so, miss that? I, I don't know, but I saw that and I was like, yes, yes, yes. Um, and you know, like I said, it came out last year. You can get it in Europe already. Um, so, and maybe I'll just end up buying a German version. But it's just, I, I have to have it. I have to, because I love Bonanza. It is a brilliant game, and it's it, there's pretty much not a game night that, that doesn't come out or get brought up. So That's great. Anything that can combine beans and dice. Oh, wait, is there another game that combines beans and dice? <laughs> Oh, that's, um, a, that's so weird that you would say that. <laughs> well, uh, hmm. in fact, there just might be there one might coming be. out very hmm. shortly. Hmm. I have my pinky on my lips right now. Anyway, uh, why don't you guys save your money for Viva Java Dice, which has beans on dice? But, and we'll come out in America. Yes, yeah, all over America. <laughs> anyway, uh, so TC, what else you got? Uh, I think I'm getting down to the end here. Man, I got so many other games on my list. I'm That's crazy. Yeah. There's just too. There's too many games. There's too um, many. There's a lot of games. I, the the final one I had on my list was almost like a throwaway because I know that everybody has to have it on their list, and that's Glass Road. And that's what? Glass Road. What the heck is Glass Road? I haven't heard of that. What? That's what? a new Rosenberg other game. What I have not glass or, oh okay BGG glass. This is this is the one that, that had more buzz before Caverna was announced, which what then got more buzz because it's called Farmers and oh Glossstrasse game. Everybody has to have it. Oh, it's Glossstrasse. That's how I know Interesting. it. <laughs> it's got rondelles. It looks like, oh, but it's it's Glass Road. I don't again. I don't know anything about it, but glass blowing is a fascinating historical <laughs> topic that I am very interested in. Glastrasa. Alright, I'll put it on my list. I had I completely went past it because it was called Glastrasa, I guess, and I didn't realize you <laughs> Rosenberg did it. So So yeah, Glass Road. If you have if you have Caverna on your list, you have to have Glass Road on your list because it's another Uwe Rosenberg deeper title. It's Uwe Rosenberg joint. Alright, so I'm going to throw out, since you guys are almost to the end of your list, I'm going to throw out like three or four on mine really quickly. Um, I, have, I still have two left. So. Okay, well, I have a ton. Uh-huh. So I'm going to throw out like three or four, and then we'll kind of catch up. Anyway, so uh, Polterfoss. Polterfoss, P-O-L-T-E-R-F-A-S-S. Polterfoss is a dice rolling game where the dice have been replaced by beer barrels. So <laughs> I want it. Exactly. Where do I sign up? Where do I sign up? Anyway, Polter Foss, that's one. Really quickly, I'm going to go into, okay, here, since nobody has mentioned it, is a Feld game. It is, a, it is a Marigo. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, whatever. Didn't that one come out already, though? I thought it was well, already out. It is, it is out, but not in wide, wide distribution. It's not something you can, like, get. Uh. So, you know, they're, they're going to showcase it at Essen. It, is, it uses the cube tower from Shogun and yeah. Wallenstein, and there's another game that uses the cube tower. But anyway, anything that uses Shogun. the cube tower is going to be awesome because the Shogun cube tower is amazing. And I have no idea what the cube tower is used for. It's used to do something. But anyway... Um, all I know is you're trying to guide America's Vespucci around South America. Uh, it's a failed, and it's from Queen Games, so I would like to really check that out. Um, I will continue on the Euro bent, and I will mention Bruxelles 1893. This Brussels. is or Brussels, yes, I know, but I know <laughs> I'm going by the actual trying to make people understand how they can Google the game. Bru- <laughs> Bruxelles. Brooks Which is B R U X E L L E S eighteen ninety three or Brussels eighteen ninety three from Pro Games, makers of Twa and Tournay. So again, in the whole bent of they want to make sure that you can never pronounce the game that they make. Yes. Um so anyway, Brussels eighteen ninety three from quote unquote from their description is a worker placement game with elements of bidding and majority control. Um hello. We got worker placement <laughs> Hello, Dolly. We got worker placement. We've got bidding and majority control. I'm there. I'm all over that. And game. it's by those guys, same guys. Yeah, same by, by by Pro Games. Yeah, the same kind of like art style. Uh, I think that'll have a lot of combo stuff going on. I'm completely sold. So yep, boom. And it's right. got a really interesting theme. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting. Anyway, the gameplay will probably be pretty interesting. All right, so Daryl, go ahead. Yep. All right. Um. The next one is a rumor that will be a B, uh, that'll be at Spiel. If it will not be at Spiel, it will definitely be at BGGCon. And if it's at BGGCon, it's an instant pickup, and I'm pretty sure Chris and I will fight over it if there's only one copy left. <laughs> and that's Eldritch Horror. Oh, yeah, of course. Are you kidding me? Yeah. If it's at BGGCon and there's one copy, I'm going to fist fight anybody to get to that thing. That We're going to be up till 4 a.m. playing that game oh, all night at BGGCon. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, so uh, Eldritch Horror is in the same world as uh, Arkham Horror. It's actually inspired by Arkham Horror um, with uh, some help uh, from uh, Lanius. There's Lanius plug. Lanius, drink. Lanius. Um, we need, we need like a soundbite when someone says Lanius. Lanius. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so it's you know it's a lot of the components and mechanics as Arkham Horror, but not as large or as epic as that game is. Um, it's still, it seems to whittle down all the great stuff about Arkham Horror and make it an, a, a faster-paced game. You demoed it at Gen Con, right? I did demo it. I right. demoed it with uh, the, the game designer. With Corey, so, right? Yeah, and uh, it was, I, 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 I loved it. Um, and it's... I have to get it. It's the one game that I keep thinking about that I'm like, God, I really could play that right now. So I should have just stole it. I should have just, you know, knocked everyone out the table, threw up my bag and ran. <laughs> Lord knows the bag they gave me from AEG was large enough to fit the whole thing in. Well, I would definitely, <laughs> definitely want to play it. I definitely want to own it. All right, TC, do you have anything left on your list or left on your list? Uh, um, well, it depends. It depends. The only thing I have left on my list are TC's angry list. The most inessential games being released at Essen. 
The ones that you don't care about? Okay. Yes, the most inessential games. Right, but why don't, why don't you why don't you give us like three or four of those? I can just run down a list. Sure, go right, ahead. So TC's inessential mean list that will get him in trouble with other game designers. Uh, um <clears throat> let's start it off with so the most inessential games that are coming out for SN. Uh we have we'll start with Friedman Freeze's Flutternide, which is a if you didn't see it, it's a candy swapping game for game night. It's a take that game where you actually are required to use, you want to use candies that you have for your game nights or snacks and stuff, and you're trying to get the most or something. Okay. Stupid is all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> Dumb. And it's a take. Did we lose TC again? I think we did. I think we lost TC again. TC, can you oh, hear us? Oh, did you lose me? <laughs> we heard, it's a stupid, and that was it. <laughs> That's good enough for me. <laughs> okay. All right, move on to your next one. It's a stupid. It's a stupid. Next one is it is a stupid. Uh, it's probably in poor taste because of other stuff, but whatever. It's by Twilight Creations. It's called Bowling for Zombies. <laughs> Completely inessential. Who needs this game? It's probably not fun, it, but the reason why you'll get it is because it's called Bowling for Zombies. Of course, because it has zombies and bowling. Everybody loves <laughs> exactly. bowling and zombies. Um, I'm right, going to do, gonna do golfing for zombies next. The award for the bo- most boring name of all of them, Chicago Stock Exchange. <laughs> I saw that and I thought of you. I totally <laughs> saw that on a list. And I was like, dude, that's something that TC's going to be like, oh, I so want that. Play that game. <laughs> I really need this game. It's so important. Uh, but you know what? I bet it's the best Chicago Stock Exchange simulator ever, ever. made. Ever. Yeah, I'm sure. Out yeah. of the 30 gazillion stock exchange <laughs> simulators that exist. Probably uh. great. Um, then then we have Doodle Jump by Raven ba- Ravenburger Games. Oh, come on. Because I really needed a analog version of the iOS game. <laughs> Dude, what so whatever. Important. If they can make an Anger Dice <laughs> analog game, they can make Doodle Jump. Just leave them alone. Wait. An- 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 Angry Dice okay, is yeah. only an oh, analog sorry, game. Angry, Bird, Angry Birds, like, not Anger Dice. Sorry. You Angry said Angry Dice. Well, they're right in front of me. They're on, kind of on my brain. <laughs> Angry Dice, the analog game. Right. Um, but yeah, Doodle Jump. It's just, uh, it looks like a side scrolling game, game like you would have got out of the 80s when they were trying to make Super Mario Brothers the <laughs> side scrolling board game. Which they did. Mm hmm. Mind blown. Anyway, all right. Yeah. Any more, TC? Which they did. Which, which looks terrible. Did. That was horrible. Probably this, I, 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 I mean, it's Ravenburger, but I don't have high hope. Um, And then the final three we have. Lost Legends, which is just... It came out on Kickstarter. It's a, a Queen Games game, but I've heard that it's just absolutely terrible. Yeah, that's... It's one of the... <laughs> um, it kind of goes I, up up and down. Like, you know, Dan tried it with Joel Eddy and um, uh, Lance, Undead Viking, and, at Gen Con, and he was not enamored with it. And Joel Eddy has kind of gone back and forth as to whether he likes it or not. So it's I kind of... it's a perfect idea, but it's just so... I, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's it's very like volatile. Drafting and and RPG building, character building. Oh, sounds like a sounds like a winner. But in the end, yeah, whatever. Inessential. Right. Um. Then we have uh, Dark Darker Darkest, which is another zombie game. Sorry, everybody who backed it on Kickstarter in droves, but 
I think your game is pretty much going to be like any other zombie game that exists. I'm going to uh, step out of this conversation because <laughs> um, I agree with you, but I'm not going to officially agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fine. Hey, this is like I said, I'm burning bridges here. That's fine. Um, Anywho, go ahead. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, whatever. Uh, then we, and then. Finally, the Sulkin expansion. Oh my god. I'm glad you brought that up because... Holy crap. It's Zulkin. How can we make it even more infuriating? Hey, I know. Well, let's expand it. (laughs) (laughs) And hey, you know what? If they're not going to add a gear to the expansion, not interested. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah. So, anyway. So, yeah. There you go. There's some uncomfortable silences there for some, but at the same time, those, that's my list of inessential purchases. Well, and, uh, yeah. I think that that is a very admirable list, and I stand <laughs> behind most of them. And I will not comment, so you can burn your own bridges. But anyway, um, yes, I'm glad you brought up several of those, including <clears throat> dark, darker, darkest. Anyway. Um, I'm going to move on to, I'm going to just throw out like three or four that are on my list because we're kind of toward the end right now and we need to be wrapping this up because we're getting on about two hours here in a minute, which is going to be one of the longest uh, state of games ever, which hopefully we've not been too boring. Uh, I'm going to throw out Steam Park. Do you guys know about Steam Park? Nope. Okay, Steam Park is by Cranio Creations. Um, Again, it's trying to build your amusement park. So, similar to Carnival, but it, it was announced shortly after Carnival hit Kickstarter. It's been developed for about two years now, but it's one I've been kind of watching because I love Cranio Creations, uh, their art and graphic design that they do for the games. Um, it'll be available in North America through Yellow. So, I'm so looking an at analog it. version of Roller Coaster Tycoon. Oh, well, not quite. It's all <laughs> about kidding. yeah. It's all about creating your own amusement park, but it's also like steampunk. So you got kind of steam machines and stuff. It's kind of cool. The art, the art design for it is really neat. It's kind of a smaller game. I'm really looking forward to getting that. Um, speaking of expansions, TC, since you brought up the Zulkin expansion, uh, I would like to get my hands on Last Will getting sacked, which is an expansion to Last Will, and uh, you have to lose your job now instead of. Or, or in addition to losing all your money, you lose your job. And in addition to that, you need to find the most demanding wife who is going to ask you to spend the most money on things, frivolous things, which is completely, I have no idea how the North American populace is going to react to this one because it seems, it, it, I mean, it's obviously done in tongue-in-cheek. It's it's all hilarious because it's check games. I mean, just the way they're doing it, the way they do, but... I can imagine several gamers kind of like being up in arms about all of a sudden now you got to find a wife that's going to demand the most money out of you and different things. So anyway, I really like to try it out. It seems like it's going to be hilarious. Um, on top of that, I will go ahead and throw out uh, Nehemiah, which is a biblical-themed game. Um, it looks interesting. It has meeple placement and worker actions. It's uh, also kind of a, it's kind of similar to Targi, which I'll talk talk about here in just a couple minutes when we talk about games we've been playing. Um, but it seems neat. Uh, the art's fantastic, and decent games with biblical themes are hard to come by. So I wanted to put that on my list. 
And I have several other games that have kind of come and gone on my list. Uh, do you guys, are you guys, do you have anything left? Evolution. Evolution from the Russians? Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Evolution, the origin of species. Um, um, I'm, yeah. Okay, go ahead. I, I haven't played it, but uh, I see I, there's two expansions coming out at uh, Spiel this year. And that's where I got my attention drawn to it. I, di- I did see that they have the expansions. Expansions. I will say, out of all the games that they have put out, Evolution is their best. Um, I've played it a few times. It's not exactly my cup of tea, but I think the the uh, expansions that they have for the game are going to add enough that it will have a little bit more meat for people who want to play the game um, as an extension of, like, say, for instance, you know... Um, uh, what game am I thinking about? The the ginormous one that has tons of pieces. Help me out here. Dominant species? Yeah, dominant species. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's not exactly the same kind of game, obviously, but it's going to add some more meat. So like dominant species, the card game, Evolution now is going to, with expansions, be able to play a little bit more along the lines of something that could, that could be a, a meatier card game that you could play like that. Well, the fact that it's, you know it's thirty minutes and all that, I was like, that's kind of cool, and the art looks pretty slick. So, I don't know, or the, rather the graphic design. So, I don't know. I, I just was like, I, I kind of want to put that on my watch list. So, it's on my watch list. Well, there you go. TC, you have anything left? Well, there's probably more. More, you know, and I'm missing some of the the main ones that people are probably going to be putting in their list. But, um, I mean. I could keep going on. <laughs> now we're 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 near the Just end keep of our going list. On and on yeah, and on, I know but... there's tons of stuff at Essen. Essen has too many games. I'm going to throw out just three or four really quickly, title wise, so that people can kind of have them on the radar. I'm going to mention that the King of Tokyo expansion, the Halloween expansion, is going to be there, mm-hmm. um, which of course is King of Tokyo. I mean, duh. I've never played that. Still, King of Tokyo. Yeah, I've never played it. Um, how have you? I, what? How have you not played King of Tokyo? I don't know anybody that owns it, and every single time I've been at a con, I've been working at demoing my own game that I haven't I will, tried to demo. It. I will bring it to BGG Con just simply so you can play King. Well, actually, it'll be in the library. We'll play King of Tokyo at BGG Con. I mean, okay. it's 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 classic. It's so much fun. Okay. Um, I wanted to mention this game because it's completely so Essen, and it's typisch Deutsch, das Spiel. It is a German trivia game with a big board with a giant Germany on it. It's all about things that you drive around Germany. You drive all around Germany, and when you get to a city, a city you get asked a question. It's about like you know, the trivia on that city and being German. It's just crazy. I mean, we have crazy freaking trivia games in America. I mean, obviously. But mm. are you kidding me? That is so German, it's not even funny. Um, also... There are several different things. I just want to mention the name Funf Gherkin. I simply wanted to do that because I wanted to say the name. It, it yeah. translates to five cucumbers. Um, it's a trick. That, <laughs> I would like to try it, actually. Yeah, it seems like it'd be pretty fun. I mean, it's got neat little art. Um, it's all about cucumbers, and it's a, it's a non-trick-taking game. You don't want to be the last person to take the trick, or you get negative points. It seems like it'd be kind of fun. Um, Galapagos that has turtles, dice, and a sand timer. I'm um, just going to throw that out there. And lastly, I will mention um, Crossmaster Arena, which was actually at Gen Con, but it will be at Essen. 
And I have no idea why I'm so attracted to this game, but it I is... Have, I have the same issue. Every single time I see it, I have to stop and just watch it for a little bit. It then. is the most adorable thing ever. I mean, it has, like, the most adorable miniatures. It has these little, like, cross-section trees that you just want to, like, eat. They're so cute. Um, it, 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 they bill it as a tactical card game with miniatures, which I love. So I know that I need, need to at least try the game out, whether it has adorable miniatures or not. It's just one of those games that's been on my radar for so long. Gen Con was sort of the, the, the thing that flipped me. I was like, I so want this game, but I could not justify buying it at the time. Anyway, there are other things that are on my list. There are actually several games about ghosts. They're on my list that we will save for later, but we are almost at the two-hour mark, and I want to make sure that we are able to move on to uh, fit in games that we've played recently and also Unpub News. So we're going to move on to Unpub News now. Daryl, you're on point. Unpub News! We need to get some sort of a a chorus of angels singing or something. As the wall machine rolls through Europe. Right. Sorry. Right. <laughs> yeah, break it. Get news. on that. I want that. I want that. Okay. So, anywho, um, Unpub News. Hooray. Hello, friends. Last time we talked, <laughs> I was saying friends. that we were going to be rolling out a new website and all that. Well, hey, the new website's up. Um, we're still adding some pages, uh, still being filled in. So, I'm aware some information is missing. I'm still working to put all that up. Um, we have a. Uh, Game Designer's control panel that is built in. So if you're a game designer uh, with an unpublished game, uh, then you want to get registered. Uh, You'll be able to manage your own game page, the content that's on it, um, all that fun stuff. That's also the only way to get your game registered for events. Speaking of games registered for events, uh, uh, today uh, we launched uh, registration for uh, BGGCon. So if you're going to BGGCon, Unpub will be there officially Friday and Saturday of the con from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Um, so just hey, check that your game's going to be there those two, you know, those two days. You don't have to be there for two days, but you know that you're going to show up and bring your game so people can find out about it. Um, and that way, I can get a you know little flyer sheets and stuff made up before the con and uh, push that information more the closer. We get to it. Um, I know right now we have uh, Scott King bringing a new version of uh, Holiday Wars. Um, I'm bringing uh, a new possible expansion for Compounded. Um, And I'm bringing a game by uh, Nathaniel Levine called New Bedford with me to BGG Gun. But that's a month away, and I'm sure we'll talk more about it. And Double Impact will be there. Some game called uh, Maximum Impact. Anyway. No, double impact, you <laughs> <laughs> butthead. Maximum meekle. Chris Kirkman's very first public playtest of his own game will be there. Whatever. But again, it's a month away. There'll be podcasts before then. Um, but um, yeah, but that's how we're going to be doing uh, events. And then when you go to the event page, uh, like there's a uh, event uh, on the 19th of uh, October. Yeah. Um, uh, it's the uh, Sacramento uh, uh, Unpub Mini in Sacramento. Um, so that's coming up, and you know you can see the games that are registered for that. Sarah Reed's running that event. Sacramento. Um, so yeah. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. <laughs> what are you about to say? Sacramento. 
<laughs> All right, go ahead. I guess Chris has the giggles now. <laughs> Evidently, I didn't hear what. Okay. Um, <laughs> but you know, uh, we're still. Oh, and don't forget, Daryl. Don't end. forget. We're still um, building up the back end. When you sign up, that's the, also the only way that you can see your feedback forms too. Correct. Feedback forms are now going digital. We will still have them in paper for those that don't have an iOS device or a laptop or something. Um, even though when I'm at there, when I'm at the events, we will have two iPads and a laptop to fill up digital feedback forms. Um, but we're trying to keep them digital so that way the designers can see instant feedback um, right off, right away. And uh, we're we're doing a scoring thing, not scoring the game, but it gives certain elements of the game a score so the designer can quickly see numbers and be like, oh. I'm scoring low in interactivity, so I need to work on that part of the game to make it a little bit more interactive, bring that score up, and such, so so forth. So it it really helps the designers because it, it's a lot more information in a smaller form, actually. So um, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a great tool for both designers and publishers because I mean, it, it, when it comes to like knowing what's out there, I'm going to go to Unpub. Yep. And keep my pulse on what's kind of like you know, I've seen that seems cool, that's been showing up at multiple events, that's been getting a lot of feedback, and also I can request feedback from uh, both the designer and from Unpub. I mean, it's just a great resource. So go and go to unpub.net and make sure you're registered yourself and your games and where you're going to be you know, demoing those so that people can really uh, start to, to make sure the feedback's there for you to make your game better. Correct. And if you do play an unpublished game and you're not at an unpub event, um, but it is on unpub.net, you can still fill out feedback forms, please. Like, in fact, if you go to game, if you go to unpub.net and click on games and then find the game that you're playing, uh, so say we say Double Impact, you click on the Double Impact, there's the page profile, it's about the designer, about the game, but on the right it says fill out feedback or record feedback. And you click that and it immediately brings up the feedback form for that game, so you can immediately fill it out and submit it right away. So don't feel that you need to be at a sanctioned unpub event to give feedback. If you have played that game, give feedback. The designers love it. Absolutely. So. And it helps them make their game better. Yep. So that's that's uh that's unpub news. The unpub news. <laughs> well, I will mention on the back end of Unpub News that I would like to thank for the people who came out to Escapist Expo, the protozone there. Um we didn't have like a formal, formal presence at Escapist Expo in Durham, but Matt Wolf, I'd like to thank Matt Wolf. He came out and he brought a blue noodle of his own. So he was able to sit there and play and actually demo and play test several games by his playgroup. And also, people who were looking around to find the blue noodle came and did um, play tests of the games that were there. I was able to sit down and play two or three of the games that were that were there and, and offer feedback to the designers, which I thought was great. Um, we were always around the blue noodle protozone area. Um, Escapist Expo was ten times better than last year. We had gaming until midnight, so hopefully next year in Durham we'll have an even better Escapist Expo and it'll grow. Um, also, Unpub and the Protozone will be there in full capacity next year. So I'd like to thank Matt Wolf right now for spearheading that movement, making sure the Blue Noodle was there. He was a ton of help. So Thank you, Matt. Yes, thank you very much. Um, and I'm sorry, one, one, this is kind of a big thing. Well, not really big. If you are interested in attending Unpub 4 in January, 
it may behoove you to set your reminders to check unpub.net on Monday. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, really? That and table space is limited. Go on. Um, Monday we are going to be launching uh, registration for Unpub 4 for the game designers. Um, And I can officially announce that it is a three-day event this year. Um, Saturday and Sunday will be the normal you know, playtesting and fun. Uh, Friday night will be for publishers and game designers only. Um, so we're going to have like a little uh, meet-greet networking event um, so everyone can kind of mingle, see each other's games, and kind of catch up. Uh, things that, unfortunately, we couldn't do the last on Pub just because there was uh, so much playtesting going on. So uh, uh, there's still a few panels and schedules that we're banging out, but the gist of everything is ready to start getting the uh, registration system rolling. So uh, come Monday, it, it's, it's going up. Sounds good. So get registered and get ready. Yep. Get ready, Coles. You don't want to miss Unpub 4 because it's going to be awesome. There's a lot of surprises this year. Trust me. Also, one of the surprises, which I cannot give the full details just yet, but there's going to be a contest. And anyone out there wanting to be published and guaranteed to be published should come up with a card game design with 54 cards. And I mean just 54 cards. That's all I'm going to say for now. Next Can I podcast, have meeples? No. Oh, just the cards? Just the cards. Just oh. 54 cards. And now it, it can have like a score track that somebody could you know use a dime or a penny or whatever they need to. Something that has something that they can pull from uh you know common supply that somebody might have but not something that requires like custom meeples or cubes or anything like that it needs to be a solely card game of 54 cards and i'll be able to announce fully the details of this contest on the next podcast but for right now start you know racking your brain thinking about a card that uses 54 or a game that uses 54 cards or less but the maximum amount of card count in it should be at least 54 cards. Um, I already have three designs submitted by designers that you all are very well aware of, but I cannot announce those just yet. However, um, I'll announce the full details of that contest in the next podcast. Just start thinking about it. Start designing. Darn it. I have a, I have a, I have a design with 54 metal coins, so <laughs> I guess that one's out. Well, that one's out, yes. You- uh, uh, okay, I'm going to pause here because you I don't you may want to cut this I don't know, um, but I know Brian Fisher wants to do his game design contest that he did last year again. Yep. So maybe oh sure if, that's fine. Well, I wonder if we can marry the ideas because he really liked judging it. So. Well, that might not be a bad idea, and, and and we don't have to cut this at all because if he <laughs> would like to hold you know the the contest or the the game design contest like he did last year, and we want to sort of mirror the ideas we can make people be restricted to come up with a 54 card game the winner of course is going to you know win whatever we decide that brian wants to give out but it also would win the chance to be published uh through dice hate me games so i'm fine with that that'd be great i think that'd be cool yeah that'd be awesome i will uh reach out to brian i'm going to be reaching out to you (laughs) (laughs) perfect all right so um, we've covered a ton of games in this podcast. We're right at the two-hour mark, and I know some of you will stick with us and some of you won't. But 
There are several games that I've played in the past couple weeks, and I know you two have probably played some games you may want to mention. Um, I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about them, but I want to at least mention the ones that I've I've played. Um, Do you guys want to go first, or you want me to uh, throw some things out there? Sure. Um, Les and I, on uh, Saturday, hosted the Delaware Geeks and Gamers, which is a gaming group that's here in Delaware. And they came over to the house, and we did like a potluck dinner kind of thing. Um, and it's the first time I met a bunch of them. Um, the uh, husband and wife that ran it, I met them at Unpub 3 last year, and then again at PAX East. Um, and so they brought a bunch of games, and there were some games like IOTA that I've never seen before that I was like really intrigued to watch them play. And um, it was fun. It was, uh, we had 12 people over. And the one game that I played that I hadn't played before, um, or this version, was Blockus 3D. Um, I like Blockus 3D. I really liked. Um, it was just the right amount of brain frying. And uh, the fact that the, the board itself could is on a lazy Susan, and so you could spin around the structure that you're building with your other players. And you're not only building, um, you know, kind of obviously flat you're building up right yeah you're yeah 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 you're building up and there's there's different templates that you lay down so like you know you could be just building like a tall rectangle or a tall cube or a pyramid and you know there's there's different rules for different templates that lay out and that was really fun we played it three times and we did a different template each time and um i just really enjoyed it so uh yeah so well, i'm you glad go. you do because now i have someone that will play my copy <laughs> Oh, I didn't know you had it. Yeah, definitely bring it down. Les loved it too. Yeah, I have, the, I have Rumus, I guess, which was the the first version. Oh yeah, Rumus. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right, TC. Do you have anything? Not really. I just played. Uh, hey, but I did play. Uh, I'll give a warning to people. Um, letters from Whitechapel. The the I played the Final Fantasy or oh. <laughs> Final Fantasy Flight version. Um because my friend just picked it up, and we played, like, three games in a row. Uh, but uh, that game's awesome. The only problem is, in the new rules, there's a slight change to the rules. So, um, and I don't know if it's in the original or not, but I don't remember playing it this way. But on the third night, we had a, I had a problem where I lost the game as Jack. Just lost it. It was Ooh. the most anticlimactic game ever. Because on the third night... Uh, I waited, and apparently, if you wait, you can lose the game immediately. As Jack, really? Because the <clears throat> for anyone who's not aware of the game, basically, it's a game, cat and mouse game. Jack moves around the board, chooses a spot to go to, and and like a you know a carriage or something to move around the board, and then the detectives look for him. They can accuse accuse him uh, if they think he's in an area. Well. The problem is on the second, uh, on the third night, you kill two people uh, as Jack, but you don't get to move first. The, the detectives now get to move first. So what I did was I was like, oh, I'll just wait a turn to see which detective's nearby, and I found out there was one nearby. But when I realized that when I waited, the other person had the other crime, the other crime scene moved closer too. So the detective could just immediately accuse both spots and I lost. Oh. 
so it was not fun. Yeah, it's not, that doesn't sound fun at all because... <laughs> that was the least cat and mouse action I've ever had. So for anybody who's playing the new one, there, as a warning, you, you could lose the game on the very first, first turn, on the third night at the very beginning. Just be very careful. Well, that's that's a good safety message because <laughs> letters from Whitechapel is why awesome. It was fun stuff. I, I, I'm sorry, I do have one more game real quick. Or okay. one quick thing. I did the uh, Congress of Gamers in Maryland uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, that was an unpub event. So there was a bunch of new games that uh, were played, um, and two stood out uh, that I feel like should be mentioned. I mean, uh, we've, I played Attitat with uh, by Charlie Hoops. Uh, the game was good before when it was just numbers. Now I steamed it, and it's it's still like on the path, but it's it's really good. Um, it's fun. Um, so Attitat, um, and then. New Bedford, which I brought up earlier. New Bedford is a new game from a new game designer. Uh, and uh, follow him on o- Oakleaf Games on Twitter. Uh, anywho, it's a marriage of, I want to say like Puerto Rico and fishing. Like chip pulling fishing. But you're whaling. So you're building up the town of New Bedford and you're, you're whaling for whales. And there's one chit bag, and so however many ships are out, you pull that many chits plus one. Whoever's the furthest out takes the first pick, etc. And the whales, whatever the whale is, is worth certain points. But it's got really clever mechanics and twists to it, and you're not limited. So you're building the town, so if I build like the schoolhouse, it's on my side of town, but other players can still use its ability if they place their worker on it. They just have to pay me one gold, um, etc. So it's not like limiting... But I don't know. It, it's it's really unique and it plays incredibly quick for how meaty the game is. Um, so New Bedford, if you see it, please give it a chance uh, to play it. And uh, last but not least, uh, Lesser Evil by Josh Temkin, which is a dice game about making choices, and it was really good. Yeah, Josh uh, had contacted me like. A long time ago about this game and it seemed so good to me and I've been wanting to play it for the longest time and I hated it that I didn't make it to Congress of Gamers to be able to try this game out. So Well, I, I have a print and play, so I'll bring it to BGG Con as well as New Bedford. Both of which will be coming to BGG Con with I me. want to play them both. Cannot wait. Good. Alright. Um, I'll name really quickly, I was able to escape a expo, I was able to get Firefly on the table again with five players. We finished in two hours and 15 minutes, which was awesome, so it wow, proves... Firefly, again. It, again, it, I mean, I've played the game six times now, and it proves that you can play it in roughly two hours. Do you have the expansion for that? The expansion? Yeah, TC has yet. an expansion that he sat in his car for a while. What? He has a Firefly expansion. TC, you have a Firefly expansion? Not anymore. Oh. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, what? I shipped that out to, to France. Antoine Baza wanted a copy, so I was like, yeah, sure. And so he's sending me some goodies, and I'm sending him so you a Firefly sent expansion. Antoine Baza a Firefly yeah. expansion instead of me? <laughs> well, you know... I would have sent it sent it to you, but Antoine Bowser asked me. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. So your publisher asked I mean, you I don't want I don't want to I don't want to say I don't mm-hmm. want to put people on a pedestal, but come on. <laughs> All right, I'm not, 
You I don't blame you. I mean, you just have dice hate me games. Yeah, you're right. You're right. All right. All right. So I'll just. <laughs> so yeah, there's a Firefly expansion out there. Uh, apparently, and I'm gonna have to withhold TC's next royalty check in order to make sure that I can find it. <laughs> hey, you know what? I, I think uh, um, I, I'll I will ask my friend Tim, and I'm sure he would donate it to you. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Because he has a copy too. Awesome. We, put, we had one at WBC. Okay. Well, then I I accept. Uh, you we'll didn't get into Gen Con? What were you thinking? Are you talking about the fifth player expansion? I don't know. It's another ship. It's late blue. What? Oh, yeah, yeah. I got that. Yeah, it's the one from uh, uh, GTM Magazine. Sure. Where you can play five yeah. players. Yeah, you play five players. It's the, the Arful Dodger, and it has the extra ship. Yeah, I got that. Oh, okay. Okay, I thought you were talking about like an actual expansion. I was like, holy crap. How, how did you get... like? How'd you get an expansion for Firefly? I didn't even know it existed. So that is an expansion. Well, it, it is. I mean, it's great because it does allow to play five players, which is what we played at uh, Escapist Expo. We were able to play with five players, which is awesome, but only through the use of the Arful Dodger. So, also played Downfall of Pompeii, which I'm so glad I bought Gen Con because it's just a blast, an absolute so blast. So good. Yep, so good. I also uh, played and subsequently bought Gauntlet of Fools by Donald X. Vaccarino. Um, what? Yeah. Gauntlet of Fools is um, sort of a, a dungeon crawl, but it plays in literally 20 minutes. Um, Gauntlet of Fools is one that was kickstarted by Indie Boards and Cards um, early this year or late last year. I can't remember which one it was. But anyway, um, you can you, you draw uh, the number of heroes according to the number of players in the game, and then they get weapons assigned to them. So you could have something like a ninja with a staff, and like the ninja has uh, certain abilities that can be used if you discard tokens during the game. Their weapon, which could be the staff, has certain abilities that can be used if you discard tokens during the game. But anyway, when you're trying to bid for who you're taking into the gauntlet, which is what you are facing, the dungeon, so to speak... You can either take a uh, hero that's on the board currently or a hero that's already been taken by someone else. If you take it from someone else, you have to add a boast to them. So in other words, like uh, I can run the gauntlet while blindfolded or with one hand tied behind my back or without eating breakfast. So like if you uh, basically everyone runs the gauntlet and faces the same uh, evil creatures and you can take... You can get injured if their attack bests your defense, things like that. You can only get four wounds, so what happens is eventually everyone in the party is going to die, and whoever has the most gold at the end of the game wins. And it literally takes, the the gauntlet run takes like five to ten minutes easily. Um, But you're taking boasts, like for instance, like, you know, without breakfast means you start the game with one extra wound. So you could actually grab a really, really overpowered hero from somebody else and take them over to your camp and say, you know what, I'm going to do it without breakfast. And somebody else can take it with you and say, well, I'm going to do it while blindfolded, which gives them another handicap. Um, it's really, really fun. It's super fast. You can play literally three games in an hour. Um, it has the the um, replayability factor of Nefarious, which is another gaunt, uh, or another uh, Donald X. Vaccarino game. That has, oh, it was fantastic, yeah. Um, if you like Nefarious, uh, if you like a lot of replayability and variability in a game, then Gauntlet of Fools is for you. I, I had a blast playing it. Um, I also got to try out Targi, which is a two-player game. I played that with Sean Patel. Uh, I loved it. 
Target is fantastic. I should have bought it at Gen Con, or not Gen Con, Origins. It was first released at Origins. It's by Z-Man. Uh, check it out if you get a chance because it has a constantly shifting like grid that you're trying to build upon. I, it's hard to even explain um, over the podcast, but check it out. Go look online for Targi. And miss Sean. Yeah, Sean's fantastic. I was glad to be able to hang out with him at the Escape Expo, and, and, and the following weekend after the Escape Expo, I was actually able to go and hang out with Dan Patrice and his wife Janice for her birthday. Um, they usually spend a week at the Outer Banks, so I was able to go for a couple days and, and game with them at the Outer Banks at their fantastic house that they had. We played Trains, again, really fun. We played Tear Off Tear, which if anybody has not played Tear Off Tear, it's all about stacking animals. Um, is that the one over the bridge? You yes, make a bridge of over the bridge, yes. You make a bridge of animals. It is absolutely hilarious. It's so much fun. Um, highly recommend anybody checking it out. I mean, it's, it's it's kind of like a pseudo-kids game, but it's pretty famous for being like one of those games you close the, the, the night out with because um, it's so much fun to play. It's it's one of those stacking games like, you know, uh, uh, Ball Sack and things like that. I also played... Uh, Picamino or Picamino or however you, you, you pronounce it. Again, one of the, the Eagle and Griffin uh, board or uh, what do they call it? Um, bookshelf games. And you're you're playing a bird and trying to pick the most worms and you're basically rolling your dice and it's a pressure luck game. Fantastic. I absolutely highly recommend anybody wanting to play a pressure luck dice game. Picamino is right on the, the cusp of being just as good as Can't Stop. Um, we also got to playtest Double Impact a couple times, which is coming along, and we played Eminent Domain, which I just remembered is really, really good. So that wraps <laughs> up the games I've been playing. So anybody else got anything else before we move on? <laughs> I don't even want to start. <laughs> Yeah, we'll save it for the next podcast. We're all, we're definitely over two hours right now, which is the longest state of games in the history of the state of games. So anyone listening to this point, if you've been along for the full ride, you've just made history. So, Well, let's face it. If you edit out all the lag pauses uh, when TC talks, you're going to cut an hour out of this thing. Well, probably. But that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so that about wraps it up for this episode of State of Games. We'll be back soon with more Unpub news and in-depth discussion of games we've played, games we want to play, and games we're making so we can play them soon. That's right. That's right. In the meantime, you can always find me on Twitter as DiceHateMe. Hit me up and ask me anything, and be sure to check out DiceHateMe.com for other cool gaming stuff. So tell me, how can our listeners find the rest of you schmoes? Well, uh... I'm uh, obviously on Twitter as Get Louder, and you can also find me on unpub.net should you need to register your game or contact me. That's a good answer. Thank I you. Am, uh, <laughs> I like that really Twitter long pause also... you gave. Like, like that was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, yes, yes, long pause. Well, I, I could have been that my voice cut out, too. <laughs> you never know. Um... Yeah, so I'm Puppy Shogun on Twitter. I'm also the Crippled Werewolf on Board Game Geek. And I sometimes write stuff on Tumblr, so you can check that out as well. Oh. I'll TC Petty, I-I-I at Tumblr. Yep, 
and he writes fascinating stuff that sometimes I agree with and sometimes I don't. But that's okay. Exactly, as everybody should. And I hope that I hope that other people make fun of me and call me inessential uh, every year as well. So. all right so this has been a great podcast i appreciate uh daryl and tc joining me and until next time this is dice hate me this is get louder this is puppy shogun saying thanks for listening and may May all your your rolls rolls be sixes yeah that was a horrible dice roll (laughs) (laughs) yeah like that's how austrians say goodbye This is how we say goodbye in Germany, Dr. Jones. Oh.